Hey, how's it going? Welcome into the Irish NFL show. It is Saturday night, Saturday the 11th of December 2021. And it's uh, it's time for week 14 of the Irish NFL show. Michael, we've got Colm Cronin and Cork. You're upside down. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even care anymore. I can go down to the bottom if you want. Brian O'Leary. Brian, obviously, yeah, on Dancing with the Stars. Congratulations, Brian. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks for that uh, tweet today. <laughs> Very, very <laughs> I was gonna make a whole like did did it. And I just I didn't have time yeah. or the energy. But uh, Mark, also we're here. Evening, lads. Evening. I'll have to watch that program, Michael. Yes. Uh, well, we'll have to watch it. I was trying to get a rumor going that Brian O'Leary was going on it. I mean, you never know, boys. Somebody could get the call. We'll see the crack. But uh, week fourteen in the NFL season, some some great games ahead today, tomorrow. Um, folks, you you know the drill by now. We're presented by Team Matchbook Betting Exchange uh, and Trust Gaming. And uh, if you're listening on, please feel free to subscribe. And if you're commenting on tonight, you can comment on YouTube or Facebook, and it can go on the screen. If you're commenting on Twitter, thanks very much, and we'll try and read it out as much as we can during the show. Uh, I'm going to take a very split second at the start of the show to very quickly talk about some news that happened overnight, uh, not overnight, on Thursday night. Uh, former Broncos, Jets, Texans wide receiver Demaris Thomas passed away at the age of 33. And that happened uh, the morning after, well, for us, Thursday Night Football call. And that's uh, terribly sad news uh, for, I guess, any NFL fan. It's just, it's been a been a rough few days. Yeah, well, uh, of course. I mean, DT, especially for, for Broncos fans, but I think fans around the league will recognize what a talented player he was. I think what it is is that he died so young. I mean, DE, a man who's 33, was going to be 34 on Christmas Day. And I think probably what adds to it is the, the upbringing that he had. I don't know if um, our viewers have seen a um, really wonderful profile of him on ESPN. Grew up his um his mother and and his uh grandmother both ended up um in in prison um he still made it all the way you know get uh through college into the nfl his mother was released was able to come to see him in in 2016 so incredible fortitude incredible strength to to kind of overcome some of the adversity that that he faced and I mean, as a Broncos fan, look, I have fantastic memories, The particularly, obviously, the, the walk-off win against the Steelers. But I think what you would say about DT is a guy who always showed up. Uh, even if he had a drop earlier in, in, in the game, um, if uh, the QB looked his way, he never went hiding. He was a, a, a no-diva wide receiver. And the, the stories, I think, this week that you've heard about him have all talked about his kindness. And, and I think that is a real testament to the man that it is that is what people remember. People remember the fact that he had so much time for everybody, that he spent so much time with fans, that he spent so much time, um, you know, with local um, charities and with community groups and um, visiting schools and hospitals. So just obviously a really sad, a, a, an enormous shock. And um, I, I know that obviously, Broncos country will be mourning, but we've seen um, tributes come in from all around the league. Any, anybody who hasn't taken time out yet to watch the Rich Eisen piece on Thomas, um, which was aired yesterday morning, um, late last night, I suppose, air time, or maybe, and he does an eight-minute piece on him, and he kind of talks about his career and has kind of alluded to the upbringing he had, he had and uh, it was heartwarming to watch despite the cruel circumstances that we're dealing with. Because um, he's a fantastic player, and I took time out when we heard the news on Friday morning to actually look at some 
montage of, of players, you know, obviously more so with, with Denver. But, you know, it's like anything when a player retires, you remember him as a great player. It's only when you look back and you see some of the stuff in which he did when he got when he got hold of the ball, it was it was brilliant. And that Rich Eisen piece was was heartbreaking in a way because Rich Eisen even discussed the fact that he met him the year before the Broncos won the Super Bowl, him, uh, Eric Decker, and um, Thomas, they did his piece together, not knowing that a year later the Broncos would actually go on to win the Super Bowl. But um yeah, you know, everything you see this week is not it's not so much about him on the field, it's off the field and everything he did within the community, not just in Denver, wherever he played, he reached out to, to various different charity groups to try to help out. So it's a shame, terrible shame. We've had quite a few of these unfortunate situations in the past couple of years where players passing away too soon. So it's dreadful. And it looks like there's going to be a great uh, recognition of him tomorrow at the Denver game, and it's well-deserved. Mark, he was also a Patriot. Sorry, I should have said that. I'm not sure. No, no, no. I mean, like he he was a patriot for a wet weekend, and it was it was lovely to see Tom Brady giving a kind of a, a, a public statement, kind of memorializing the man, as well as obviously Peyton Manning, who played alongside him for years. But he's like one of these players; he will always be a Bronco. I mean, he did have stops in other places, a bit like when the late great Junior Sale passed. He was a patriot in other places, but he was always a Charger, really. And DT absolutely uh, fits into that mold. The 80 yarder, um, I think all his fans, you know, that lives in the memory banks. And of course, you'll correct me, Colin, if I'm wrong, but I think he was a first rounder with Tebow that year, both drafted by McDaniels, both believing they were going to be the, the cornerstone of that Denver side. And obviously he stayed on, but the, uh, the quarterback maybe didn't. Um, but it's terribly sad. I mean, you look, I mean, Michael, I know you're ridiculously young, but he's younger than three of us on this uh, show. Um, you know, a seizure, his career ended too soon. Colm alludes to some of the, the struggles and the challenges in his private life. Um, obviously, his mother and grandmother both released by President Obama, actually back in 15 and 16, if I remember correctly. And um, just everything he accomplished to get to where he had gone and in circumstances where it's not, you know, he didn't mess up his life. He didn't do something wrong with his health, effectively. I mean, it seems all reports is it's a seizure. It's not like... He has taken the wrong path in life and he has ruined his opportunity. Um, so I think uh, Deco put up a comment there as Billy Joel, Joel saying, you know, only the good die young. Um, and Demarius Thomas certainly fit that category. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll be quick enough here. Like, I mean, from seeing Twitter over the last 24 hours, it's really only hit me maybe today what's happened. Uh, you're seeing, it feels like you've lost a member of your family, but obviously you haven't, and his family are obviously going through a hell of a lot worse time than anybody else right now. But it's just, um, it's very, very hard to, to to sort of process. I think you know, for fans that are that are fans, maybe the Broncos other teams, but yeah, obviously Super Bowl champion, four time Pro Bowler, uh, second team All Pro twice. Here and I, Pete Manning talked about him. Different guys have spoke about him. I, I'm not going to do him justice in this 30 seconds, but um, you know, for me, he's he's obviously a ring of famer. I would say he's probably going to be a hall of famer at some point for me personally based upon his stats he was one of the best uh very underrated at the time but it's good to see albeit very bittersweet he's getting the recognition this week that he deserves but uh, look i we obviously wish his family all the best over the next uh, few weeks months and years ahead in a very very difficult time and i know a lot of uh well broncos fans are hurting out there in a minute it's, it's been it's been a weird few days but we hope that uh, demarius thomas uh rest in peace uh died on Thursday at the age of 33. 
Okay, well, I'm going to try and wrap these colors for the rest of the night, boys, but we're going to get into the action this week. There are 12, 13 games, Brian, yeah? 13. Well, 13 includes Monday Night Football, but we'll, we'll leave that one today. The recap show on Monday uh, evening. Sure, we'll, we'll tell you what, we'll do We'll do it tonight. I'm sure we'll take, I'm, I'm joking, right, hold on. Uh, here we go. I we don't take breaks, we don't we don't take breaks i have now i sat for an hour tonight and thought how can i ensure that these gentlemen at the bottom here are on the screen at the same time here it is so uh, the first game is the falcons going to the panthers both teams sitting five and seven i i'm really interested to hear boys your thoughts ahead of this game because colin i think this is a bit of a toss-up personally yeah i am it is though you know i i think a lot of the time in this league I keep saying it, league is set up for parity. It has a competition commission. It does everything it can to ensure parity. So, um, you know, a, a lot of time that is the case. But I do think that really is the, the case here. I mean, you have two, um, five and seven teams. Both of them have strengths. Both of them have, have weaknesses. This is the Panthers team coming off a bye with a new OC. Um, they've been very reluctant to talk about their previous OC and the way in which maybe he was dispatched. Um, that was interesting. And obviously we got Cam, the Cam show, and then Cam gets benched, um, no CMC. So it, it will be interesting to see, I think, what the new OC does with the, the Panthers. Uh, they're going up against uh, a Falcons defense that's not good against the pass. <laughs> I think that's probably been kind, awful against the pass, realistically, um, but okay against the the run, kind of middle of, middle of the pack against the run. So um, that will be something. I'm interested also, Russell Gage against Gilmore will be an interesting one, I, I, I think. Um, and uh, DJ Moore against Terrell. And obviously we're waiting, um, you know, for Kyle Pitts to have another one of those uh, those games. I think for for me this comes down to um the Panthers um get get sacks the Falcons give up sacks um it's how much that impacts on Maddie Maddie Ryan um he ha he took five sacks um la the last time out against the the Bucks but he still threw for almost 300 yards and we've seen him do that this year he got hit a number of times against the Saints but he was still able to to stand in there I'm going to say that I think that Arthur Smith and the the Falcons are going to to get the the win on the road. Um, you know, it's it's it is definitely a bit of a coin toss one, but I do think the the Falcons are going to to have enough, and they're the ones who are going to be sitting at six and seven at the end of this. Both sides, strange enough, still in the wild card race. You know, but both sides very much out of form. But the Panthers need this from desperately more. I'd, I'd argue the Panthers need this more than the Falcons right now. Um, the last of their, of their four games thereafter, three are on the road. They're essentially, they've got the toughest schedule in the NFC for the remaining games. So if they don't get this game, certainly it's curtains and the season is over. They've lost seven of the last nine games. You look at the, you look at the Falcons on the flip side, Matt Ryan has only thrown two touchdowns in the last four games. They've given up an average 25 points per game in the last five games on defence. It's that difficult to call and this division has a weird way of the home team loses and the away team takes the road win. Then when it returns, the exact same thing happens. And I'm I'm of the same opinion. I think despite why it looks like the Panthers should win defensively, they have the better group of players. I find I think the Falcons will find a way to get over the line. But I think this one will go down to a last second drive, potentially a field goal game. 
Yeah, um, you know, I have to agree vociferously with everything the guys are saying. Like, I mean, this isn't this isn't straightforward. This is also isn't like a, like there's a, a clear answer in this. Both teams are flawed. Um, yes, the Panthers have only won two of their last nine games. The Falcons have only won two of their last six games, and neither exactly are hot uh, to trot. Um, the thing that I'm kind of playing on a little bit here is. The Panthers did control the game quite a bit in their first matchup. I mean, it was only 19-13, but they ran for over 200 yards. Um, they had uh, a bit more of a stranglehold on the Falcons. And whilst I don't think their defense, particularly in the secondary, is fantastic, um, they had enough to control basically Kyle Pitts. Let's face it, with Calvin Ridley, obviously for personal matters, uh, being out of the lineup, they, they have a limited set of receivers. Basically, Matt Ryan this year has had Carl Pitts and Cordero Patterson as his two weapons, and the Falcons have seen been duly limited by that. Um, that's not to say the Panthers aren't within their drama. Without their drama, not only was there the dispatching, as Colin rightly used the correct verb, I think, for the removal of Joe Brady, who somehow Matt Rule wants to run the ball exactly 33 times, and he only ran it 18 times last week. So out you go. Oh, who's he replaced him with? Oh, our, our running backs coach. Okay, so he's going to want to run the ball. Who, who's he? Oh, yeah, he's Matt Rule's old buddy. He's known for 20 years, who was his old offensive coordinator at Baylor. Some, me thinks, uh, plots were afoot long before, uh, and that was always an inevitable conclusion. But that being said, um, yes, there's no C-Mac. Yes, I don't trust Cam Newton at any point in the existence of man. But I just feel out of the two floor teams, I'll slightly go with the Panthers being at home to complete the sweep over the Falcons. So, yeah, fine margins, but I'll go with the Panthers. I think what will help the Falcons in this game, actually, is the fact that Hayden Horse has now been activated for this game. He's missed the last five or six games. Tight end. We saw him in London against the Jets, albeit against a poor Jets defense. But what we saw in that game was Hayden Horse was allowed, was allowed to take players out of the picture Given uh, Pitts a little bit extra space, we could see that come to pass in this game. I think it's a significant upgrade for them to have a two tight end opportunity in this game. And one one last stat point, which is always amusing. We joke sometimes about the fact Lamar Jackson leads Baltimore in rushing. He got these running quarterbacks to lead in rushing. Cordero Patterson is really still a wide receiver, but he is the leading rusher on the Falcons this year. Probably sums up their play in some respects. Yeah, for me, the, the Panthers offense is 29th in yards per game at 308.7, 29th in pass yards per game, 24th in points per game. They're averaging under 20 points a game. Will that get it done against the Falcons? Well, the Falcons defense voice is 25th a game in terms of yards per game and 12, 12 turnovers a game on average, 26th in the league. Uh, for me, this is all about Cam Newton. It's a really, really good opportunity for the Panthers to try and get something going. They have been... They've played eight of 12 games against bottom 15 defenses, but you know, you got to ask yourself at some point for Cam Newton, something's got to give. Uh, I am taking the Panthers, so it's even, even, yeah, all good so far. Yeah, I, I, I just, I, th I think Carterell Patterson is the X factor in, in this game. He's having a, a special season, and it's funny because, uh, and we'll come to it later, but you're beginning to hear 
other players talk about how they want to be used uh, in the way that uh, the Falcons are are using uh, Patterson. And I just find that uh, really interesting. You know, this is a guy who early, like, had high expectations coming into the league, you know, maybe wasn't used in the right way, continued at it, and all of a sudden kind of has found success. And I I think that is, that is it. If the Panthers are able to corral him, yeah, they they probably win this. I just think he he is what will ultimately get the Falcons over the line. And Colin, just on that, like the, the way teams are alluding to that, oh, this is what we want from other players, or other players looking for that type of exposure. The Falcons kind of fell into that situation. It wasn't planned, you know. It was like they ran out of running backs, you know, they got injuries. Okay, we'll have a go at running back. And all of a sudden it's worked, and now he's he's their standout player this season. Absolutely. The Ravens go up against the Browns. That game was in Cleveland, the first energy stadium. Browns six and six, Ravens eight and four. Two games off the Browns are calling, but uh, Baker Mayfield's had a rough few weeks. Um, yeah, a, a rough season, I would say, going back. I mean, we talked about him early in the year and that pick that he threw right at the, the end of the game where he was trying to force it too much. And it feels a little bit like that's what Baker's been doing all season, right? Because he's seen the other QBs get their big contracts. He didn't get the big contract. The Browns kind of sat in their hands. I think that's quite telling that they did that, that they wanted to see more. And I think he's tried to force it a little bit. It hasn't worked. And, you know, all of a sudden he's getting chippy with um, the fans. The the Browns have undoubtedly, you know, at times been really impacted by injuries, but they're going up against a Ravens team that can equally point to the injury side uh, of, of things. This is one, again, it's a bit like Thursday night's game where I think either of these teams could could win this. Um, I, I There are reasons why the Browns can. There are reasons why the, the Ravens um, can. But ultimately, for me, Lamar threw four interceptions the last time these sides met just a couple of weeks ago, and the Browns still couldn't get it done. Now, when uh, the opposing QB throws you the ball four times and you still can't get it done, that, to me, um, you know, is is not a good omen. Granted, though, Miles Garrett, we saw Lamar get sacked seven times uh, against the Steelers, franchise record. So it could be a great day for for Miles Garrett. Um, But ultimately, I'm going to say that John Harbaugh is going to have the Ravens um up for it they lost um you know when they went into to pittsburgh um they won't want to have a second loss on the road i think that the the ravens will have enough to to do this and they go to nine and four and then there'll be some serious soul searching to do in cleveland yeah with that game last week jackson is now up to 37 sacks this season the worst he's had of all his careers in the league um the Ravens' offense just seem, can't seem to get it going four games in a row now. They've not gone beyond 20 points, but they're going up against the Browns team offensively who have not scored over 20 points in six games this season. They're banged up on the offensive line. Conklin is out. Chubb has struggled in games against the Ravens. I think he's averaging around 53 yards, so he's been their marquee player. But, you know, in a lot of games, they've been heavily reliant on Chubb, Hunt, and that's what gets them over the line because it certainly isn't Baker Mayfield. I'm going to call him on this, um, despite the injuries. Um, I can see it being a really close game, a low-scoring game, quite similar to the one we saw a few weeks ago. Maybe not was not so much in terms of interceptions. 
But I think the Ravens find a way to get it over the line. They know essentially this is a win scenario that will get them towards the division. So for me, the Ravens just... Boys, it's like we've got a wonderful bit of deja vu this week because we've actually have three games that fall into almost the identical pattern. There are three games with division-leading teams, all on eight and four, playing against their intra-division rivals who are six and six. And the six and six teams are desperate. If they want to make the playoffs in a really tight competitive wildcard races or maybe even to poach that division title the last gasp, They've really got to win this weekend. And we're going to see three of them. This is the first one. But to me, this is actually probably the most clear cut of any of them. Um, the reality for me is, and, and for anybody who saw uh, our show, the Thursday, uh, TNF Club on Thursday, saw this from Colin, from our uh, Steelers reporter, who just summed it up really nicely when he said, let's be honest, guys, Baker Mayfield sucks. And there's a lot of reasons and a lot of excuses, and maybe his health isn't the best, but certainly over the last number of weeks, you cannot argue with that succinct statement. Um, both teams are going to be dealing with losses. Marlon Humphrey is now out for the season, yet another IR person from the Ravens. David Ngoko, though, who's been leading the Browns in receiving, is out on the COVID list as well. So that's a big loss from them from the tight end position, one of the yeah, probably top tier tight ends in the league. Um, yeah, there's a lot about Nick Chubb, and of course the Browns could win this game and control it, and if Miles Garrett does get the better of Alejandro Villanueva and sack Lamar Jackson a few times, like the Steelers did to the Ravens only last week, the Browns could have a chance, but to me, I just, I just can't see it. I don't trust the Ravens, sorry, I don't trust the Browns, I do trust the Ravens to bounce back from a very disappointing game against the Steelers, and therefore I'll put the Ravens to go 9-4. and four. Yeah, last week was very disappointing for Baltimore. Uh, when you've got a player of Lamar Jackson's capabilities and you go to Pittsburgh uh, and you only score that amount of points, it's not good enough. It was great, great entertainment uh, from a neutral's point of view, seeing him go for two. I really enjoyed it. Fantasy-wise, not so much, but for me, I think the X factor in this game isn't going to be Nick Chubb or that uh, Browns running game. It's actually going to be Devonta Freeman and that mix of Ravens wide receivers, Marquise Brown, but then also Mark Andrews. I I, I can see this game being over um, re relatively early enough. I, I think I just can't I can't back the Browns anymore. I, I don't see how Baker Mayfield is going to perform, and he probably will. Now, uh, one touchdown last week, 247 yards. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt are his guys, but the reality is, will this team turn up on Sunday? I don't think so. And I think the Ravens will push to go to nine and four before they welcome the Packers in Baltimore next Sunday. Um, I, I do. I think um, Baker Mayfield sucks is a little bit harsh. I think um, whether Baker Mayfield is a franchise QB um, is, is certainly a question. I don't I think, though, there is clearly something wrong in Cleveland. Everyone seems to run uh, to their parents to uh to have a go and uh we've now obviously seen it with hunter as well i mean that is you know we're we're gonna get into the uh moving from college into the nfl later and how difficult that transition can be but you're big boys if you have something to say and if you've got criticism come out and say it yourself don't go into your agent or your dad and get him to do it just come out and say it and i think that 
definitely undermines the the locker room and undermines cohesion and that certainly hasn't helped the browns this year yeah and, and one other thing about the browns i mean you're talking about running the football colin and everything and and, and sorry and just what's going on there generally i i meant to bring this up at the start actually because michael you alluded to pat mcafee on the tnf club and the big deal and i hadn't actually seen the news from pat mcafee so i never actually hadn't seen called up the clip and he announced all the things. And I just wanted to play something for you guys of something that came out from that announcement that I thought was really special. Yeah, Damn it. One second. Don't know if you heard this. Something. Remember, I have the button mark to kick you out of here. Just, just I'm taking the Steelers on the over. Sorry, sorry, I'm taking the Steelers on the under, and I'm taking the Steelers plus 3.5 tonight. I will take any way in which the Vikings win this game, boy, tonight. I can't see. I have to watch my Lions game, and I have to put my whole fantasy. Hold on. Let, let's just see if we can. There we, there we go. Okay. He's done. He's done. Uh, just before I respond, Davis says, uh, shocks the world tomorrow. Dalvin Cook, well done. Like, yeah, of course I embarrassed myself. I, you know, I, it's fine. Come on. I did say lock of the week as well, didn't so I can't even use that tonight. But um, Michael, sorry, what was the comment that came in there? Who's going to shock? Uh, saying Cleveland shocks the world tomorrow, go Browns. That's from Ed Davis. See, I don't think it's a shock if they win. That's the thing. I just think it's one of those situations where you're, I think we're all kind of in a general consensus that the Ravens are a more experienced team, and despite injuries, they'll find a way to get it over the line. That's that's I'm seeing it, seeing it differently. Yeah, no, I know. I, I, I would, I would agree, Brian, absolutely. It's, it's that. The I just think just because they they need it and because of the performance um, against the the Steelers, but the Browns aren't they're not a bad side and particularly on the defensive side of things they they are a serious um, or they can be a serious defense. We've seen them um, perform yeah. at times. So so look let's uh, let's see. It's definitely one of those coin toss games. I think it's but it's possible. It's not you wouldn't say like there's no way you can see them winning this game. Different game. I'm just sitting here in silence now. Just wait, hoping everyone will listen to the podcast. The next game, uh, while Mark goes back into home base or whatever it's called in the South, Woody's DIY and gets a shovel for digging his own grave, is the Seahawks against the Texans. The Texans are 2 and 10, and the Seahawks are 4 and 8. Seattle beat San Francisco 30 to 23 last week, and in doing so, has relegated me to last place in the fantasy league. It's a big day tomorrow, Colin. You better bring your A game. Well done on Thursday. Uh, but yeah, what's your thoughts, Colin? Uh, it should be an interesting game. Ah, look, I mean, it, look, I talked about it before the season started. I've talked about it over the course of the season. The, te- the Texans franchise is a joke. The Texan fans are great, but the franchise is a joke. And tomorrow we see yet another um, starting QB. So there you go, Mark. You told us uh, Trod Taylor was going to steady the ship. Nope, not going to see out the season. It's going to be Davis Mills. And the guy that they caught earlier this week has already been picked up by uh, the Titans. Um, we might we might talk about uh, Vrabel's press conference in a little bit, but it it's telling that you you caught him and within twenty four hours, um, yeah, I I thought I looked like an astronaut, so I'll take an NFL head coach. Thanks very much, Luke. Um, 
where do, where do you start? This the Texans are a rabble. They're a shambles. Um, pick any Eamon Dunphy um, word you want to use, and it would all apply to to this uh, franchise. We talked about it with Andrew on on Thursday night. It's awful. It's awful for fans, and it's awful for the league that this has been allowed to to continue. What this is is. This is we get to see where Russell Wilson is at. You know, he gets to air it out um, against the a Texans team that have have struggled on, you know, defending the run, defending the particularly defending the run, but defending the pass as well. Um, and I mean, it should be um, uh, a Seahawks victory as long as uh, they show up and as long as um, Russell Wilson uh plays well and i imagine he will so yeah i'm going i'm going with the seahawks on this when this game is over we're not going to have any answers to any situations in terms of what's going to happen to seattle going forward what's going to happen with the texans going forward seattle have lost six of the last eight games wilson last week played well called it out last week in terms of their record against the 49ers and how dominant they've been that's a, a huge game for their fans and we've seen it in the past where teams haven't had a good season but always find a way to beat their rivals so didn't come as a surprise that they did win that game. Like the Seattle struggling offensively last week. Look good. Metcalf hasn't had a game 60 yards plus for the last uh, five games. He's struggled. Wilson's been a bit erratic. People continue to say it's the injury. We've had the story this week that he's selected his three, you know, favorite locations where he's going to play next season. He then backtracks on that story. You know, we, he, look, the substance of where the story came from, the source probably didn't even, you know, wasn't even worth even discussing. But we're, we're now discussing things. For next season, because the reality is Seahawks season is over. For the Texans, it's just a case of get the season over with and you know, get to the Sean Watson situation over with and then they move on from there. Seahawks to win won't be a pretty game. What else can you say? Yeah, I mean the the problem for the Texans is they need the uh probably the next two or three seasons to be over with as well, Brian, before they, they're getting anything in that roster back into shape. Um Look, I mean, this is a dire game in many respects. If you look at overall ranking on offense and defense in terms of yards allowed and conceded and, and acquired, the Seahawks are 31st in both offense and defense, right? The Texans make it even worse, though, because if you look at their offense, they're 32nd overall, 32nd in the, in the run, 31st in pass, and 32nd in scoring. It is abysmal in relation to what they've been putting on the field and delivering and you know we we remember fondly Colum's famous or infamous rant at the Aviva at the start of the season which was very well delivered but the Texans are a lucky two and ten let's be honest about it they are lucky to be at two they are not going to add another win tonight uh tomorrow sorry it's going to be the Seahawks Yes, Brian, the MLS Cup is going to extra time because the Portland Timbers scored in the final seconds. I have that up as well. Do-do-do, do-do-do. Uh, talking about Eamon Dunphy, Colin, this perfectly sums up the Houston Texans. The Bluffers, the Spoofers, the Muppets, and there's a lot of them around. I was going to use It's a Kip, but I thought that was a better one to use. Um, there are a lot of them start. around, and they're all, they're all in the Texans' front office. I'll tell you who does. Anyway, here. Uh, I mean, what are you talking about? Here, like? <laughs> I missed that video. I haven't seen it in a while. Excuse uh, Nick Casario for that one. Jackie's to be fair enough, but Nick Casario deserves a bit more time than that. I, I, I'm going to take the Seahawks, right? But 
Hold on, hold on. This is a four-day football team. This team is non-special. Russell Wilson, boys, is halfway out. He's halfway down the M1. He could care less. For some reason, last week, they put in a performance. Uh, but at the same time, the 49ers were piss poor. So I'm going to take the, I'm gonna take the Seahawks, but I, I'm taking them lightly here, boys. Like they, This is a 4 and eight football team. And this is a guy that apparently wants out the door and it's week 14. I, I don't, know. don't know. Michael, we know, what it, we know what, it, <clears throat> what he put a performance in last week. Because it's all about beating a, a close rival. You know, it's not to save the season. It's just, I, I just look. There's, there's obviously a lot of Seahawks fans, uh, both in 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 NI and and in the Republic that, that actually listen to the show and watch the show, and it, it just hasn't been a good season for them. I mean, I think they'll come back next year. I'm yet to be convinced that Russell Wilson will leave Seattle. To be honest with you, uh, why would he want to go to Denver or New York? But that's that, that's a conversation for for a different show. Um, at a different time, least, Pete Carl might not Denver, be there. Denver, New York have first round picks. I'm thinking like food, airports, etc. I'm joking. I, I I love them in Denver, but sure, look, it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, here, here, boys, that's... full house so far. Look, look, look at this. We've got ding, dong, and now we've got this. This is a nice game. Uh, the Raiders are six and six going up against the Chiefs. This game is in Arrowhead Stadium, or they now call it Giha Field because they sold their soul down in KSC. Colin, who have you got in Missouri? Um, yeah, I, well, I, I, I wish that all the um, stadiums still held their their old uh, names and didn't sell out like that. But um, unfortunately, the Broncos are the, the same. So can't say too much about the Chiefs on that one. Um, Chiefs, five straight wins and held their opponents under 20 points in, in each of those. Um, where Patrick Mahomes probably had his best game of the season was against the, the Raiders because the Raiders decided that they weren't going to change their defensive scheme. They didn't need to, right? Because they were going to be good enough to contain Patrick Mahomes. And instead of playing too high safety, which has frustrated the hell out of Mahomes um, over the, the course of the season, and he has put, he's admitted that. Um, that he hates it. He hates having to to um, go underneath. He hate, he loves to take shots. Um, well, the Raiders are going to likely, very likely, allow him to do that again. If they don't learn lessons, um, surely you've got to ask questions of their coaching staff. And if if they don't change anything, because if they don't, they're. The, Patrick Mahomes will take advantage of it. Um, the blueprint is there. You know how to at least slow him down. Now you have to be able to take advantage of it, and the Broncos couldn't do that. But you know how to slow him down. Will the Raiders do that? I don't think they will. I just don't think they're going to learn um, the lesson. And I don't know if in Josh Jacobs alone, they have the ground game to attack the Chiefs, which is another way that you definitely can get at them, even with um, the the defense that they currently have. So I'm going to go um, with the, the Chiefs to, to win this because I, I just don't think the Raiders will learn their lessons and the Chiefs are going to win six straight on the bounce for me. That game which Colin was discussing was obviously the game in week 12 where the Raiders played the Chiefs and the Raiders only scored 14 points in that game and Chiefs five games in a row now where they haven't allowed 17 or more points, they're averaging 11 points a game now since week 8 and here defensively they completely turned it around. When we previewed last week's game, 
I selected them because I felt defensively they seem to have got it got it right, and I can't see it being any different in this game. And uh, Waller's being confirmed as as absent from this game, which is a huge loss for the Raiders. Without him, we saw it last week. You know, they became quite one-dimensional. They didn't really have the players there to do it offensively. They are up and down. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they came in a strong game. But for me, Chiefs are going to get this game over the line and move on. And as we touched on when we were in London doing that show on the Saturday night, what's the charges for a start to season? Firing, I think, inevitably what would happen, the Chiefs would find a way to get it right. You know, we're just not used to it in the sense that it's not the offense that's getting it right, but it's the defense. Yeah, I mean, let's let's be honest about it. The Chiefs are on a five-game winning streak, but there's only one of those games that they've really looked efficient, comfortable, like it's been a comfortable win. I mean, the downside for the Raiders is one of those games. That game was the one they won 41-14 against the Raiders. Um, in all the other games, you could say they looked sporadic, stop-start. They were maybe there for the taking if the other team had got their act together, <coughs> Broncos. But the reality was... Um, that this isn't a consistent machine um, other than, as you guys have alluded to, the defense, which is starting to get things together. They go up now against the Raiders team who have actually scored 16 points or less in six of their games this season. The only team done worse than that is the Houston Texans. That's not exactly the offensive output you want or expect to see from the Las Vegas Raiders. And in fact, they've got a great stat that will directly relate to if they win this game or not. They are 6-0 when David Carr, uh, Derek Carr, even David, his older brother, Derek Carr throws for 300 or more yards. They are 0-6 when he doesn't. So have a look at what uh, his yardage total is on the, the bookies this weekend. Might be an interesting one to look at. For me, the Chiefs defense will keep him in check again. Um, they won't be able to fix all the wrongs of that 41 points they gave up only a few weeks ago. And the Chiefs go marching on, staying as they need to just ahead of the Chargers because the Chargers are only one game back in that division. So it's still very important. The pressure is on them, uh, even though the Raiders were in almost last chance saloon at this stage. 254, Mark. That's the line on Derek Kerr. There you go. Five games left. In the AFC West, uh, two games out, and they all have to play each other. It's not. It's maybe next week is that point, but yes, I I know what you mean. Um, look, the situation with the Chiefs, I have considered the Chiefs. I didn't think they'd win last week based upon the way the team has collectively played, both offensively and defensively. And um, they shouldn't have beaten the Giants. They shouldn't have beaten the Cowboys. They shouldn't have beaten the Broncos last week. But the reality is, they did. Well, they should have beat the Broncos. The Broncos are crap, but they did. And the reason that I'm picking the Chiefs this week is because maybe if I pick them, they'll lose. I don't know anymore. That's the point I'm at now, unfortunately. But I'll say this because there's been a lot of talk this year about uh, Derek Carr on this show from a number of people, including myself. Uh, I understand about uh, Darren Waller, but he still has Hunter Renfro and he still has Brian Edwards and he still has, you know, a lot on that offense and defense uh, a team which albeit lost to washington last week a team that can go out and can score points if they can score over 24 points in our head tomorrow they will win the game do i think they will no but don't be surprised if they do and i'm covering myself there but i think uh, i'll stick with the chiefs oh Derek, Derek, hang on Derek Carr could have a great game tomorrow there's no pressure there's no expectation 
Derek Carr loves that. Oh, he's fantastic. Mm. When there's no pressure on, Derek Carr is, is, is the business. When he's got to go out and do it, prove himself, and he's expected to get the win, that's when Derek Carr struggles. And in cold weather, at least according to Jack Del Rio. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry Mark. Brian, go ahead. Uh, Brian Everett ne was never supposed to be a number one receiver. He was brought in in the third round of that draft to complement the Rugs, uh, number one pick. And for large parts of the period when they were together, it was working. Obviously, we know what's happened with that situation. They've had no proper real deep ball threat since Rugs has gone. And that's the offense from a certain, certain extent has completely had to re-script and look at something different and it's not there for them. Yeah. And uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but this is in Arrowhead, correct? So yeah. this is the one yeah. game of the eight and four and six and six teams matchup where the six and six team really, really needs it where that team is on the road. So they're going to Arrowhead for this as well, which is not a warm and friendly environment for the Raiders. I think the only time Carr has beaten the Chiefs, and maybe, well, definitely in the last four or five years, is that game where they won 40-32 in a complete shootout last season. So... You know, do I see him putting up that type of points against the Chiefs' defense the way it's performed the last few weeks? Absolutely not. Do you see Mahomes putting up that many points? No, I don't actually. Yeah. I don't. So I, that, that's why I think this game's intriguing. Like it, it genuinely is. Like they get both balls off each other. Uh, Chiefs' the uh, defense is not at the level of the Chiefs' defense. It's not by any given Sunday, and the Chiefs have not been special on, on, on the offense side of the ball. If they stop Kelsey, they have a chance, I think. But yeah. I still yeah. think the Chiefs. Uh, but Michael, they were special when they played the Ra Raiders' defense last. That's that's the thing. I just don't think it's a good matchup for them. Time will tell. Uh, Sneed for the Chiefs is out after the death of his brother. Our thoughts are with him and his family at the minute. It's very difficult for him. Uh, and obviously the Chiefs as well. But it's going to be an interesting game, lads. I think that game's on Game Pass tomorrow. And uh, if. If the Raiders were to win, that completely blows the whole division open because the Chargers are playing as well, and obviously the Broncos are. So we'll see what happens. We'll talk about down the stretch. Uh, the Saints are playing the Jets tomorrow. Uh, the Saints are five and seven. The Jets are three and nine. The game is in New York. Now, this you're going to tell me the why is up here, right? But there's actually a game going on right now in that stadium, and the field looks just atrocious. Actually, maybe it's my TV picture, but disgraceful, boys. I don't know who thought that was a good idea, but I, I, and I know they do this all the time, but calm the field is awful looking. It might be a factor tomorrow. Um, if if that if it is the the case that it's a factor, um, I'd wager Sean Payton will find a way um, to make it in his favor because that's just the kind of coach that that he is. Um, look, the the Jets, you know. It's been just a, a very frustrating season, I think. And I actually don't think that mostly going up the other day and making the comments that he made help in any way. He, he claimed that Fletcher Cox wouldn't shake hands and Fletcher Cox put up a photograph disproving that. Now, players, like, there's a way to you can motivate, you can criticize, and players will generally take it if it's fair enough. But if you go out and you say something untrue against a, an, another player, that tends to get the backs of the rest of the league up. So um, that might be something to to keep an eye on. Um, I, I did actually go back and forth on this for over the course of the week, though, because... Taysom Hill uh, in at, at QB, four interceptions, and he hurt his uh, middle finger. Um, the one that um, Stink likes to show the Jets in that video that he made uh, with his uh, Super Bowl ring. Um, but 
the apparently uh, Hill was able to to practice fully this week. I actually think you'll probably see him run the ball more because if he's going to throw four interceptions, um, you'd prefer to see see him running. And Kamara should be back. Um, for the the Jets, I mean, look torn apart by the the Eagles. Um, it it's really just seeing what can they develop Zach Wilson. He was good in the first half last week. Actually, 18 points was their um, their best total uh, this season in a first half, but disappeared in the second. Uh, it, it's also probably um, Lattimore versus Elijah Moore will be an interesting one in this game. But I'm I've got the the Saints uh, winning this one. They've they've much more at stake. They have a more savvy and crafty uh, head coach, and and in Alvin Kamara, they probably have the the best player on the the field. Yeah, I think people have been doing a disservice to Saints, in particular that game last week against the Cowboys. So that those four interceptions, yeah, three of them came after he got the injury. So with, with I think with five minutes going third quarter, they were only down by one score. He got he picked up that injury and he threw into three interceptions thereafter. Up to that point, he had a really efficient game. He's not going to set the world like you know, throwing it because that's not his style. But he had played well. He was running on the Cowboys defense, and the defense for the Saints also played well. I mean, they kept the team in the game for a long time. People are getting carried away this week saying, Oh, the Jets are going to win because the Saints have been a bit erratic in the last five games in a row. Give me Sean Payton any day, you know, Taysom Hill or no Taysom Hill. Um, the Saints will win this game comfortably. And Elijah Moore is out as well. Sorry, Mark, who's been there standout wide receiver yep. second round pick this year. He's not going to play either, which is a big, big loss. Well, there, go, there goes the most interesting thing I was looking forward to in the entire game. All right, there you go. Sorry, Colin. Push your bubble down that way. <laughs> Elijah Moore versus Lattimore or something, was it? Or Yeah. can imagine. Game time um, decision, not looking good. That's what they're saying. But, you know, I, there were reports coming out of the Jets. Um, was it just last week or was it two weeks ago that uh, our dear friend Mike White um, had become such a cult figure within the locker room that actually the players were chanting his name when he would walk in and were, you know, geeing him up generally. And the idea that they're chanting the name of a backup quarterback every time he walks in the room when you've got your first round, second overall pick who, who looks about 12 again, of course, sitting there, who probably needs a bit of a confidence boost and needs to feel like the team's behind him. Um, look, even if the reports aren't fully true or things like that, it's just the typical kind of Jets being Jets noise that continually surrounds this team. And it always seems to be dysfunctional one way or the other. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would much rather a return to the Rex Ryan Jets, where they weren't just entertaining off the field, but they're actually entertaining on the field. They made back-to-back -back AFC Championship games. It was a rivalry worthwhile having. Um, you know, you love to hate them, but um, you also have to hate to love them at times. But these days, it's just been it's just been a, uh, almost like a death spiral. I, I can't say that we have seen enough this year to think that Zach Wilson is the long-term solution. But interestingly, on the other side of the ball, do you think that Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston are the long-term solution for the Saints? I can certainly say I don't think so on either count. Um, although the Saints seems pretty wedded to Hill still as being an option gadget, interesting character to have around to, to run gadget plays. And he has had a 100-yard rushing game, obviously, um, this season already. 
guys, you know, it's a five-game losing streak for the Saints. It's not like it's just been a, a blip in the ocean. I can make a justifiable case for the Jets to win this game. But then I remind myself it's the Jets, so therefore I'm going to go for the Saints to win this game. A comment there from... Uh, can you handle the truth? The guy's Twitter name's called. Thank you very much for the comment. Love you, Irish guys, talking NFL. Awesome. Thank you very much for the support. Thanks to everybody for supporting tonight, both on Twitter, YouTube, and on Facebook. And we'll have the podcast on tonight whenever Brian gets it uploaded. Uh, while I've wasted time, I'm picking the Saints. Alvin Kamara, the Jets, Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson is like me, a bit slimmer, a bit more bulked up, five, six years younger, granted a bit more younger than that. Yeah, I'm, I'm only joking. It's been a rough year for him. Uh, I'm sure you're going to pick it up. We didn't even year. touch on the fact that Alvin Kamara is actually back for this game and he's supposed to be mm. 100%. He was touch and go last week leading into that Cowboys game and he's expected to be back and ready to go. To I, think, I think Colm did say Alvin Kamara will be on the field, the best player on the, either side of the field. The thing that I'm concerned about is who has Alvin Kamara in our fantasy league in the year in the week that I have to win. I'll check that Would out. that be Colin, who you're playing against this week, Michael? I'm not playing against Colin. I, I, I actually, before we go into a whole fantasy competition, Colin, I need Colin starts to win this week. Colin starts with a minimum of 100 points a week, he does, before he even plays again. Colin, yeah, folks, Colin got 75 points in the <laughs> PPR league on Thursday Night Football. Oh, don't worry, the guy I'm going up against has got Lamar Jackson, Ezekiel Elliott, and Alvin Kamara. That's that's just... Michael, if you lose in this, this weekend, you're gone. You're, you've missed the Same with you, Brian. Same with you. No, so, no, uh, no. Oh, don't because, worry. If I lose, uh, the guy I'm playing has got a five and eight record. I've, I've, if, I've done the If Colin wins, if Colin wins, I'm in the playoffs no matter what. Keep it going, Colin. <laughs> for this week only. As the commissioner, I'm going to change the rules for another week. <laughs> we'll get the, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to. Uh, what, what are we? Week 14. Let's have the playoffs in week 16. Do you know what I'm going to do it right now? I'll fix that up. Uh, <laughs> why do we do that? I'm actually going to do that. Why do we do that? Where let's quickly go through the Jaguars against. The Titans, Titans come up a bye week. Uh, Colin, Mike Rabel yesterday lost it in the press conference, but I don't want to go into too much, you know. I, I like Mike Rabel. I think he's good crack, but he looked like a man highly, highly stressed. I actually was concerned. He, he looked really like he needs February to come very quickly. Um, Yeah, and he probably, I mean, we, we probably would have been talking about that. Now, at the same time, he did say, I'm not going to answer any questions on Cunningham until uh, next week. And then he proceeded to get three questions and kind of three strikes and you're out. He he was out. Uh, but the Michael, the, the story around this game changed in, you know, about what, two and a half hours ago. Tom Pelissero released that story. And my opening line of my notes is that. Uh, Urban Meyer's tenure continues to underwhelm. Um, well, boy, is that an understatement. What an utter, utter abject, I won't swear, but utter just disaster. Disaster. They had the opportunity to fire him earlier in the season. They decided not to do it. It we knew from the off, from the, the fact that he employed a racist, and then it was pointed out that the guy was racist, so he had to sack the racist for being racist. Um, and all of you know, that didn't raise red flags around Urban Meyer when he had the, the prom queen grind up on him. That didn't raise enough um flags around Urban Meyer when he lied about uh Robinson last week and blamed it all on the coach. 
that didn't raise enough flags. The only reason Robinson came back in the game, going by the accounts, are the fact that Trevor Lawrence went down to him and said, uh, you need to put our best player back in the game. Um, we know that in London, when they finally got their 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 win, it wasn't Urban Meyer who gave out the game balls. It was Marvin jo- uh, Jones who did it, who apparently had such a blazing row with Meyer because Meyer was so condescending and didn't treat him like an adult that he walked out of the facility and it had to be the assistant coaches who Meyer doesn't rate and apparently tells them they're all losers, had to go to retrieve him and convince him to come back. So the Urban Meyer experiment has been an abject failure, which isn't a surprise given how he treats them. And again, it's the NFL. And outside of Cleveland, most of these players are big boys who have their pants on and expect to be treated with respect. Urban Meyer doesn't do that. The results speak for themselves. Um, it, it, we'll get to the Bills later on. But if I'm the Bills, given everything that's going on, that you lost to this shower, to this shower, um, would be extremely worrying. And if you're the NFL and you're watching what's going on in Houston and you're watching what's repeatedly year after year going on in Jacksonville, just be embarrassed. The Titans are winning this. So you, you touched on quite a few things there, uh, Colin. So I'm, I'm just going to back up some of the things you spoke about. Um, that London situation in terms of the, the game ball being handed out, we touched on the show at the time. In fact, if you if you were to watch the the press conference in which he did, sorry, the interview in which he did in the you know in terms of the locker room speech, half the players weren't even listening to him. They were on their phones. It was uh, you know it was a farce. Um, and then since London, you know, offensively they've not scored more than seventeen points in, their, in any game, which again goes to what a poor poor situation they have there. And when we were in London the first week, we were actually discussing the aftermath of that unfortunate situation where he didn't go back after the game in Cincinnati instead he went off and enjoyed himself and we obviously we won't speak too much about that but on that weekend they were playing the Titans and I selected the Jags so I thought the players would rally around the head coach and they'd win the Titans blew them out well the Titans are going to blow them out this time around I'm not going to be this silly the second time around and Julio Jones come back probably had a good time for the Titans because they really need to get players back on offense Titans to win it's not about the uh, game itself. It's more about the fiasco that comes with this team. And it looks like he's finding, he's finding a way to get himself out of there very quickly. Fortunately for him, all the head coaching positions in the college game are gone because a lot of people felt he would slip back into an LSU or somewhere else and he would just continue doing what he'd done for the past few years. Not to be able to look at it. Leaders build people up. Managers pull people down as the old adage in relation to it but i mean i think guys you've been very very harsh on urban Meyer. you go look at his achievements that he's received this year already he's already improved the jacksonville winning percentage by 100 percent like i mean they, they win 100 percent more games than they won last year You've got to celebrate his wins and his uh, achievements in that regard and brian you alluded to the fact that the offense hasn't been performing with the you know under 17 points but Urban, My- Urban Meyer's personal scoring average has been remarkably pure this this year and, and very positive, uh, especially in the incident in Ohio, as you were alluding to. So, you know, we can't focus just on the negatives for him. It's it's there's definitely positives in his performance this year. Um, yeah, all jokes aside, the Titans I alluded to last week are probably the easiest run in of any of the contenders for the number one seed. They won game against a team with a winning record or they did have a winning record which was 
the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're now exactly at 500. So it's not exactly though they're facing murderers row uh, back in the old 1933 Yankees. Um, this is a cakewalk. They've got a few more cakewalks coming up. Jones coming back is big. Um, the question is all going to depend on when could Derek Henry potentially return in the playoffs? Really is going to be the defining factor for their season. So uh, Titans for me as well. So my five minutes, one final point. If we had a scenario during the season where we said, oh, this is a cakewalk and, you know, we're all stunned on Monday where the other team goes and wins the game, um, it won't happen for the Titans because they've already lost to the Texans. So I think they will have quickly realised, let's not go out there and be complacent in this game. Yeah, I mean, teams at 8 forward have had some struggles with injuries um, on both sides of the ball, some struggles in performances over the last few weeks. 8-4, and four, great record. They'll beat the Jaguars. It, I mean, I must say, don't show up if you're going to Tennessee tomorrow, but go have a crack, have a beer, enjoy the game, listen to some country music, like Garth Brooks, whatever you want to do. Um, nine that's and four. The, that's the Jag sideline, Michael. It is. Uh, sorry, Titans. I said Texans. Nine and four Titans, potentially Monday morning, uh, a chance to almost take that mid-December and, and go for the final month and, and, and try and get another couple of wins. And Titans should be looking at the rest of the schedule going, if we're going to win it, we have to beat these teams. So I'm excited to see where that Titans team can go. Uh, it's been a hell of a season where teams have come up, teams have went down. Can the Titans rise in the last month? Let's see what happens. Okay. Cowboys, WFT. This is a great game because WFT is only two games out of the NFC East and a win against the Cowboys will put them one behind with four to go. Uh, lovely matchup column. This game is in FedEx Field. Is it called FedEx Field? I, I think this is a, a, a really interesting game. Um, though another interesting <laughs> ownership situation with the uh, the league. And, well, make your mind up on how they handle those ownership situations and <clears throat> sweep things under the carpet or not. But these are two teams who, you know, uh, obviously the Cowboys started off really hot, um, but they haven't uh, been since. And uh, Taysom Hill's injury probably got him out of jail last week i i think it's going to be the, i mean there'll be plenty of needle i think in this game um what if i you know the cowboys their offense was so hot initially obviously but we have not seen that recently um i would have concerns with um mike mccarthy and his uh, leadership style i think guaranteeing a win um is is not the way to go about things i think it's very easy for the this washington football team to motivate their players on the back of that this is also a washington football team lest we forget who got the win against the panthers because cam had done his i'm back business and they wanted um to show him up for that they do have injuries um it it should be really interesting but the cowboys also have um, injuries and that could impact on their run game neither of their running backs are are fit the other thing about this uh washington uh team is they've really leaned into gibson in their uh winning run so in the last four games which they um they've won he is is second only to um, my MVP of the season to this point. Things can change over the, the the home straight, but Jonathan Taylor. And the fact that they've leaned into Gibson 
um, and they have been so successful, I think, is telling. Gibson was one of the players who talked about earlier who said that they would like to be used in a, a kind of Cordell Patterson type manner. Um, he There's a guy playing injured as well, and yet he's still showing up. I think this is a really tough Washington team. I think it's a Washington team who likes to have a point to prove. I think it's a Washington team that prefers not to, to be favorites. And I think the fact that they have done what they've done without Chase Young and without Montez Sweat, um, who now has COVID, um, is is telling. I think it's a team that comes together and really wants to prove a point. So I don't think Mike McCarthy um, helped himself. Can the Cowboys win this? Absolutely. But I'm going to go the Washington football team and make the NFC East really, really interesting. I might just do this yeah. every week from now. Brian, you think you pick a Washington, Brian? Yeah. Washington by how much, Brian? 14, 15, 16, 18, 21, 34. Well, Collins made some valid points around Elliot and Pollard and their injury concerns. And Elliot hasn't ran for over 50 yards in four games in a row now. He's struggling. He's kind of come, he's kind of had a up and down season. He started like that. He, he got himself going. He's kind of fallen back a little and he's had toe injuries. This, this game um, for the offense of the Cowboys, the first game they had Lamb. Cooper and Gallup, is it? Yeah. Um, all of them on the same on the pitch at the same time. They haven't had that for quite some time. So he's got all his players back at his disposal. And they've also got players back on defense, such as Randy Gregory coming back, which will also help Michael Parsons in terms of how they got a double team on him. Gregory's had a great season. I find it hard to believe that as good as Tyler, Taylor Honey has been, can they match up, you know, drive for drive with the Cowboys and keep with them scoring wise? So I can't say it. And for the Cowboys, they know if they win this game, they essentially are in the playoffs. They win the division because it's it's too much at this stage of the season to to pull that back. So for me, I'm going against Colorado. I think the Cowboys will find a way to win. Michael, what was Fred's comment there? Can you put that back up again? Absolutely. Let me just go on the chat and click it on. Personally, I don't think McCarthy is a fit for Dallas. He's talking about Mick, big Mick. He like, might be, but like, Fred, I could have told you that two years ago that McCarthy isn't a fit for Dallas and isn't going to be a fit for the style of Mick McCarthy came in, he'd find the best player and he'd get rid of him. Can I say something very quickly? I can Mick, uh, Mike, uh, or sorry, Co- Coach McCarthy looks like a man that like trains the under 10s out the back on a Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> he he does he look he looks like a, a junior B coach and he he acts like a junior B junior coach B. and he he has he has got the uh, Tyrone footballers or the Limerick hurlers and he's just no he's not he's not I'm totally in agreement with Fred he's not up to it let, let let's not go as far as Limerick I'll I'll say Derry maybe that's, that's very unfair guys whatever whatever way he looks <laughs> he's won a Super Bowl. I, I'm taking the piss. Of course, he's, 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 he seems like a nice guy as well. They're going to have a home playoff game, you know. And the, this team could make a run at it. Not, do I think they're going to go Super Bowl? No. Do I think they'll be in the divisional round? Very likely. So, you know, from a guy that last year was struggling and bouncing hot water medals, medals off balls to get the guys motivated the night before Minnesota to win a division and have a great chance in the playoffs, it doesn't matter what he looks like. I will say this, guys, on the game. I mean, Washington have a remarkable opportunity to do something for two years in a row. Last year, they were two and six, went on a run, and won the NFC East. This year, they've been two and six, 
they've got the opportunity somehow, some way to potentially go on a run and uh, take the NFC East. They do have to play the Cowboys twice. And these two teams, and many obviously in the NFC East, you're in a weird kind of round-robin situation. Washington has five games left. They're all intra-division. Cowboys have four or five games left that are intra-division. Um, the opportunity for a big swing actually does exist here. And you have to look at what the, the Washington team puts together in the last four, four weeks or the four games they won, um, running consistently behind Gibson, getting the right kind of pressure and performance from their offensive line, Heineke not... You know, he, he's a little bit of sparkle dust there. There's a bit of Minshew or a bit of Fitzmagic there kind of in how he plays his game um, and not messing it up and throwing away as they did do on their four-game losing streak. So there's definitely a bit of momentum from Washington there and they can put the pressure on. But realistically, the Cowboys, other than the running back, are starting to get healthy at the right point in the season. They're getting the wide receivers back. Not just Gregory on the D-line, but Neville Gallimore. And it looks like he's going to play his first game of the season as well. So they're going to have their starting D-line that was projected to start the season for the first time um, this season. Uh, and you guys alluded to, I mean, Mike Parsons had to fit in at the wrong place for him, effectively, because of the injuries and the losses they've had along the line. So that can only help uh, strengthen their capabilities. Yeah. Washington need to win, but Cowboys want to win just to close out the division and then worry about placings. Um, for me, Wash uh, Cowboys have too much, so they'll go to nine and four. It's exactly what you're saying. Or, well, you didn't say it earlier on, Mark, but uh, it's the exact same situation with the AFC West. There's so many games in the next few weeks that are that could potentially, and it, it probably won't happen, but it could potentially turn the whole division on its head. And that's why this weekend is so interesting in both the NFCs with this game. And in the AFC West and in other divisions as well. Um, I think the reality is it's it's not that Dallas for me will have too much for Washington tomorrow. It'll be guys like Pollard having that X factor for Dallas, um, both early in the game and late in the game in big plays. So for me, I think what like I still cannot believe Washington won last week in Vegas. I I can see what happened. I I appreciate it, it was a fantastic victory. Ron Rivera is four and one against Mister McCarthy. He'll go four and two tomorrow. It's too much for them. I, I think the Dallas Cowboys need to put up now or shut up. You know, they've got the talent. They've got Dak back after last year. They've got so many weapons on offense. And this defense looks fresh as they should win this game comfortably. And then the reality is, do you start to rest, boys? I mean, if it was me, I would. I know it was the Dallas Cowboys. You can't. Maybe no. Brian give James Leader a wee text and, and find out the crack. But week 17, week 18, those boys shouldn't be doing a thing. They should be having light training sessions and getting ready for a hell of a slog over the following month. No. Uh, I think, and look, I, I think it's moronic putting them out there. Week 17 of the team. My, my, Michael, Michael, seeding can still be in play. Yeah. If the cards are screwed either way. Have you seen, the, have you seen the seedings in the NFC? They are banjacks either way, man. Banjacks. No, no, they could, get, they could get the first or second seed quite comfortably still. And, you know, and, and to have potentially two home, home games, Back to back, you've got to keep fighting for it. You've got to keep fighting for it. Let's see what um, happens. I, I, well, I, a couple of things. Um, I think this, we talked about it, I mentioned earlier, 
But, um, you know, I like my anniversary talk. This is the five year anniversary of Akib Tlaib announcing that he was going to beat Harry Douglas's ass for his cheap um, knee high block on Chris Harris. Said he was a sorry ass excuse for a receiver, but they shared the same agent. And when they were next together, um, he he beat his ass. Find somebody who will go to war with you the way Akib Tlaib would go to war for his uh, teammate. And I think that's what uh, uh, this game tomorrow is going to be about. It's going to be about who's prepared to do it. Um, and I I don't think resting guys is the way to go. I think we have seen um, in the league over the years, get it, getting hot and staying hot is the way to do it. We've seen too many teams um, who take uh, the, the last two weeks or the last week off, all of a sudden you go into the playoffs and the the team that that find that found its way somehow into that wild card does a number on you. I actually forgot we had to keep to leave on the show during the summer. That was that was great, crack boys as well. Oh, he was he was brilliant. He was absolute box office. When when, when he was talking about bringing his uh his, well, the the culture from the hood basically wasn't it? it was like you know what do I bring to the team? I brought the hood to the team type of thing. It was like you know I'm going to take care of business. It was it was awesome. He was just—he definitely didn't have a clue what we were saying, though, Mark. He was looking at our, our listening to our accents, going like, "What is going on, <laughs> boys? What is going on?" Uh, I love, and I—I'm so happy I remembered this. As an IT teacher, I, I love this Lions record, one ten and one. It's like binary. It, it is literally binary. Uh, I hope they don't lose another game this season or lose one more uh, tomorrow and go whatever 11 and one and i don't know it's just like but you know brian binary yeah you speak but you, you know binary yeah computers communicating in one okay back to the football uh the lions going up against the broncos broncos six and six column a uh, in a day where the readers and the chiefs play each other the charge is going to be a very difficult game um against the giants what's your thoughts ahead of this game obviously a very difficult week as well yeah, a really difficult week for the the franchise, and that can play an impact. You know, we have seen across any number of in the NFL. Um, you know, when um, there have, has been a tragedy at times, or when there's uh, you know a memorial, it can impact on the way in which teams perform. It's not just in the NFL; that's across sports. Um, so I think that definitely could. Um, be a be a factor in something the Broncos will have to be aware of, but um, this is a Lions team um, which listed 21, 21 of the fifty three as not practicing at one point um, this this week. They had a, an illness that um, swept the camp uh, on top of the the injuries that you already have in week fourteen. So it's going to be a really beat up Lions team. Um, and it's a Lions team that it got the the win against the the Vikings. If they were still looking for a win, I think they'd be probably a little bit more more dangerous. Um, I I think for for the Broncos, it is about managing and channeling emotion, but it's about bouncing back after a really really disappointing offensive outing against the the Chiefs. And I haven't exactly been inspired um, this week. Um, the fact that in the in the post game um on that kind of the the mess up on the the third the third and and two and then fourth and two play and um the broncos weren't set and vic fangio came out and said there was a little confusion after the game 
Um, and then again on Monday, he said, yeah, definitely some miscommunication, some confusion. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Pat Shermer gets up in front of the mic and says, no, no, no miscommunication, no confusion. Players just didn't execute. Um, what's going on? Um, Vic Fangio and his OC not on the same page in any way, shape or form. That is an enormous problem, has been an enormous problem for two years now. I don't think it'll um, be enough to to derail the Broncos tomorrow. Um, I'm going to go with the, the Broncos getting the win. That type of stuff doesn't come as a surprise to me, Colin. I dealt with Pat Shero for two years, except he was on your side saying completely different things to what his offensive coordinator was saying. Um, yeah, you, you've touched on the lines. Like, the situation, even with the line trying to build a little bit of momentum on the back of last week's game, it's probably gone in a sense because there's so many injuries there. Hawkinson, who did their best, their tight end, who's probably arguably their best player. It looks like he's out of game as well. Goff played well in, in sports last week, but he's still not the long-term solution there. And for the Broncos, like I, I, the game will be won, but it won't be won, in my opinion, by Teddy Bridgewater. He's underwhelmed. He's only thrown two passes, two touchdowns in the last five games. Javante Williams, who you know you love Colin, is he, I'd imagine he's the kind of guy tomorrow that'll have a great game and defensively they'll be sound and they might even get a couple of pick six. As long as as you said, Colin, as long as the emotional aspect of the game doesn't get too much for them and leave the Lions hanging around into the fourth quarter where you've seen uncanny things happen in games, this should be a, a cakewalk for the Broncos and a good way to rebound off a, a tough loss last week against the Chiefs. So with the Raiders playing the Chiefs, yeah, this is a game that you have to win to have at least put yourself in a position for the next few weeks. So, yeah, Broncos to win comfortably. Uh, Michael will correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think in the 13th game that both teams play, the fact that the Broncos, uh, the Lions' record is 1101 is actually 13 in binary. Um, has a certain poetic. Really? Yeah. On the week, I'm never having this happen. You're doing this to me right now. I actually was going to call you out because I can't remember. I think I actually had a hairline the last time you picked the Broncos, Mark. So I'm looking forward to this. Sorry, I'm just, well, well, I'm, just I'm just saying it's 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 a nice balance that it's the 13th game and their binary code matches up in relation to it. That's, that's all I'm saying. Um, look, I meant to say this on the Raiders game earlier. Emotional energy can take it out of you. Like um, I, I said, like the Raiders with the Gruden stuff earlier in the season. Obviously, what they've gone through with Rugs as a team and all of these things that it was an opportunity for them to band together. But that can only work for so long sometimes. After a while, sometimes it exhausts you, it drains you. It actually detracts from the team. It doesn't band together and it doesn't act as a positive momentum. But in the short term, I think sometimes um, particular events, particular moments can embolden the team. And there is almost a, a spirit of, we are not losing this under any circumstances given what's occurred. Um, I had the Broncos to win this on Monday. I had the Broncos to win it on Tuesday. With the sad news of what's happened to Demarius Thomas, I think even more so, there is no way in hell's green earth that the Broncos uh, are going to be going out there giving less than 120%. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater might even try and attempt to tackle after an interception this time, guys. That might be an interesting thing to see. Um, but no, no jokes aside, Broncos are going to win this game. Um, and it's going to be quite emotional, I can imagine, in Mahai. Emotional in Toronto. I'm not doing great today, boys. I was crying yesterday, like, sort of shocked. Now today, I'm, like, watching videos, watching everyone back. I watched his retirement speech. I'm in bad, Nick. I never met the man. Like, so I can only imagine how people feel over there. It's It's been a very uh, 
it hasn't been a great couple of days. Uh, and obviously, there's a, there's a football match tomorrow. The Broncos are planning uh, a number of different tributes both before the game, and there's an 88 decal on the field, and the players are wearing the helmets. Um, the, the, the Broncos can't lose this game. You know that, That's the way I see it. But in terms of the actual football on the field, Javante Williams will be the main factor for this team tomorrow. I'd like to think Teddy Bridgewater can, can throw the ball a few times, Colin, and, and maybe get a few first downs. And if Pat Shermer does get a third down, and two, a third down and three. Sorry, a fourth down and two, fourth down and three. Uh, and he's within 40 yards with altitude. Maybe Brandon McManus. Now, the only, well, obviously, Brandon McManus is the only person left on that Super Bowl winning team on that roster. And then, I mean, you know, I'm, I know he wants to go out tomorrow and play uh, lights out. So um, I'm, I'm taking the Broncos to win this game tomorrow in, in a game that they realistically need to win. Uh, and for me, the last thing I'll say on this whole thing, but uh, I personally think that he should be, or Demarius Thomas should be, maybe his induction into the ring of uh, into the ring of honor should be expedited. Call, but we'll talk about that maybe in the off season. I'm sure it'll happen next season. Brian, you have a point to make. Well, it's on Fangio. Like we discussed a couple of weeks ago, when they had a, a couple of surprising results that you didn't expect, probably Chargers and the Cowboys. Is he going to be there next season? And I know you are very adverse to that kind of conversation, but um, I don't think it's against the rounds of possibility if they finish the season the way they are at the moment in terms of a few more wins, he could still be there. Having watched some recent coverage when they did beat the Chargers in the dressing room, it looked like all the players were certainly rallying behind them. But if he was to lose this game, I mean, he, he might as well just walk out the gate and uh, keep on going. I mean, this game is significant now for fans, not just because of the season, but because of the circumstances. Of this week, if if he loses this game, well then he can run out the gate, and some car will probably hit him on the way out, and that'd be the end of him anyway. But um, no, no, but um, Brian, but the the fact that you know, essentially, you know, forty percent of the Lions' rost active roster has been on the injury report um yeah. this week i think yeah if he was to lose i just uh you know um there, there will be the, the divisional games ultimately i think are what are going to decide vic fangio's fate the, um this year but it is it is year three he is the man who hired pat Shermer. he is the man who kept tom mcmahon at special teams this is vic fangio's team it's up to to him now yeah, Vic Fangio's got five games left with the Denver Broncos. I think Vic Fangio, as it stands, is staying on the job next year. I don't think he should, but I think as it stands, the record he currently is on, I think he's staying on the job this year. Like he's stunning. Finish with a winning record. He, yeah, he, yeah. He put up a legitimate argument that if he had a better quarterback, we would have went to the playoffs. Go find me a quarterback. And the, the whispers have started, Colin. We, 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 we've seen the mouthpieces saying that already, so... We'll get him on during the season. I know Mark wants to move on. I know Mark's beloved Patriots aren't playing this week, so they can't lose or win this week. But let's move on to the Giants against the Chargers. Uh, the Giants are four and eight against the Chargers, who are seven and five. Chargers seven and five. Chiefs are eight and eight and four. Raiders six and six. Broncos six and six. Colin, this division is a lot can change tomorrow. A lot cannot change tomorrow, but. A game in which the Chargers need to win against a very difficult opposition in the New York Football Giants. Well, the the Giants are good and solid defensively. The issue, I mean, that's where I see a lot of similarities between the Broncos and the Giants. Um, but the Giants are going to be going to tomorrow, by all accounts, uh, with Jake Fromm at QB. 
Um, it doesn't sound at all good for Daniel Jones. The the word I saw during the week was structural damage. Um, if that is accurate, then you, they would be crazy to to play him again. Um, you know, anytime soon, whether we see him this this season or not. But structural damage is is not good, and Kadarius Tony is out as well. So the offense is just taking such a, a hit uh, for them, and the Chargers have had a week, I suppose, where they've seen um, Mike Williams and and Chris Harris go onto the COVID list and come off the COVID list. Keenan Allen, it sounds like, is going to miss tomorrow's game, and now Derwin James is likely to to miss the game as well um derwin james is an enormous talent but just cannot stay healthy um and that's a big issue for the the chargers i just don't think offensively the the giants are going to have enough to take advantage of say somebody like uh, derwin james missing and uh i think that the chargers will will do do enough but I, I don't think this is going to be uh, like last week where, you know, they were able to put up massive points on on the Bengals. This Giants defense is better than the Bengals defense, but they just don't have an offense. They don't have a passing offense. They don't have really a running offense. And, and that's the, an issue in, especially in the 2021 uh, NFL. If ever there was a game that Mark wanted to get out his famous um, Jesus Christ quote, a quarterback, this is the one. Mike Lennon, unfortunately, um, is going to start a quarterback. Would, would Fromm made any difference? I mean, there's been a conversation this week, left from play. I mean, what are we going to see from Mike Lennon that um, we haven't already seen? Um, yeah, Keenan Allen's out. He's been confirmed as out. But Mike Williams is going to play. Chris Harris is going to play. Look, Colin, you, you pretty much summed it up. The Giants offensively can't do anything. I mean, last week's game, as I said, I picked the Giants last week against the Dolphins because I felt the defense would keep, keep them in the game. And they did up to the... The fourth quarter, they were the only out ten points. Could I see them doing something similar to, to the Chargers, who are very consistent? That's not that's not making it. This team are going to blow teams away. Like they've been up and down all season. Yeah, I could see them hanging around, but offensively, won't be to do anything. The only glimmer I could see is potentially Saquon Barkley finally having a big game because this Chargers defense hasn't been good for the run. They're struggling. I, I know last week they had a good game, but throughout the season, I'm not going to you know look at last week's game and put it out there that they resolve the issues. They're giving up an average of 150 yards a game. But Saquon, when he's played against defences that have struggled, he still can't do it. So the scary scary one is no touchdown score by a Giants wide receiver or running back since the start of October. That says it all for me. Chargers are winning. The line is nine and a half. I'd expect them to win by two touchdowns. It'll be a very boring game. Chargers win comfortably. Uh, the Chargers have actually improved that run defense last over the last three or four games. Some would yeah, say, "How could it get any worse?" That's not what you want to hear, Mark. I'm just, I'm just, you know, giving you all the good news in one go, uh, Brian. In relation to it, I will not bring out my famous Jesus Christ line because it acts as some kind of magnificent reverse curse. Well, Mark, it's the only hope you have. I'll save that, Brian. Um, but you know, Colin loves his uh, his anniversaries of things, and it's actually notable um, the 11th of December. 1998 okay so this day 1998 bill clinton was uh was charged formally with three impeachment charges by the um the house judiciary committee the amount of people that should be up on impeachment charges in the new york giants organization is increasing with every single week they got rid of jason garrett freddie kitchens is making no difference 
when Gettleman and Judge get their impeachment charges or just fired, will be sooner, uh, could be sooner rather than later. And why do I also pick 1998, Brian? Well, you know this. That's the last time the Giants ever beat the Chargers, and it ain't changing tomorrow. I was going to follow up with that, Mark, but you had it. Yeah. You had it. Yeah. I had it for you, buddy. I had it for you. So the Chargers will win tomorrow, and the, the wait will continue on further. There's more chance of my ma winning the All-Ireland for Longford than there is of the Giants beating the Chargers tomorrow. I'm picking the, Gi- the Chargers. Um, okay. Do you know, once we're talking <laughs> about head coaches, sorry, we've got to give a little bit more in this game. When we're talking about head coaches, we spoke of Fangio. Joe George has completely changed his style of approach in, in the press conference over the past week. He's gone from the very abrasive type of press conference to saying a lot of different things. And that strikes me as a guy who knows he's kind of needing to save his job now and he's trying to say all the right things to, to fool the ownership. You know, I think the fans aren't filled. No, nowhere near. Michael, is your mother actually from Longford? She's a dairy woman. She's a dairy woman. Okay, so the most incongruous part of that wasn't necessarily her winning the line. It was winning it with Longford. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, and, and for anyone outside of uh, the island of Ireland listening to this, that's it, it's very, very unlikely. Let's just say that. That day, that Miami game last week was it was like being awake watching the boys. It was, oh, it was terrible. Oh, terrible. Jesus, what Anyway, anyway, let's let's move on to greener times, stronger times. 49ers against the Bengals. Every night, hold on here, hold on. Every one of us picked the Bengals last week. Just gonna check here now if uh, Ireland's who day is watching. Not yet. So I'm interested to see if we have a full house. Boys, we have a lot of full houses this week again. Like I've already got rid of a lot of these, but a lot of full houses. I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen here. 49ers losing in Seattle last week. Bengals seven and five column. This game is in the jungle. Who have you got with the Bengals? Well, the reason we all went with the Bengals last week was because we believed in their run game. And we had seen Joe Mixon have 160 yards, 120 yards. We had seen the Broncos do a number on the the Chargers. But we probably gave too much credit to a Bengals defense that, lest we forget, created the Mike White era. Um, So if we are, um, if if the Jets are, are chanting his name, um, it's because this Bengals defense that has been so porous at, at times. Um, look, um, Joe Burrow has uh, incredible um, heart, incredible guts. Uh, to, he comes back from the, the ACL injury, takes his um, you know place behind um, that line and, and, and has been really, really good for, for them. Uh, has an injury last week, stays in the game. Um, but he needs help. He he really, really needs uh, help. And Jamar Chase has, has struggled over recent weeks. And obviously la- last week, Burrow put the ball in his arms um, only uh, for it to uh, to end up in the arms of a, of a charger. So um, it's, it's, it's a tough one because this game, both teams really need a win. If the 49ers just stand any chance of getting to the, the playoffs, they absolutely have to to win this. And the Bengals really need to to get a victory to to bounce back uh, from um, that 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 disappointment. 
it is another game where absolutely I can see um, ways that the the Bengals can win this. Um, they have um, some some great um, receivers. They have Burrow. Um, Mixon, I think, is going to be a game time decision. Uh, from what I understand, if he starts, you know, he is a, a fantastic uh, runner. But um, I, I just think that when it comes to the um, the the game as it is, I think the the issue for the Bengals is going to be that defense. And I, while I don't have faith in Jimmy G, I believe in Kittle. I believe in the Kyle Shanahan system. I had for 49ers going to the playoffs before the season started, but that uh, that is in question now. But I do think they are winning this game. Um, can I can I just say I I don't know if the Bengals will have will, will have a burp against the 49ers, but who, who, whoever burped there, uh, that was lovely. Uh, <laughs> who burped? <laughs> It, well, I thought it was you, Brad. Oh, it was no, I stepped away. I needed to slip oh, off for a few seconds. Um, <laughs> Here, it happens to everyone, but it happens to everyone. It's gone. I'm not trying to talk now after hearing that. Um, this game for me is actually the best game of the weekend. It's like two teams that are going in the right direction. We've talked about some of the hopeless teams, you know, and they're, you know, whoever wins essentially is probably, give or take, probably banking the playoff position because the 49ers win and with the wild card situation and having seen the Vikes lose, you know, it's a chance for them to move on and push up the table. And if Cowboys take care of business, that helps them as well. But for me, I'm going to go with the Bengals here. I said, despite last week's performance, what impressed me mostly about last week, despite the loss was they were 24 nil down and teams who have gone to the playoffs in the past at 24 nil down have still kind of succumbed to, to a, a, you know, more of a excruciating defeat. They came back 24-22 and then the fumbling tour quarter kind of put the game away. So for me, if Burrow reacts well to that injury last week, going up against another boss, as it happens, two weeks in a row, having been teammates for Bowdoin in Ohio State before he moved on to LSU. Be interested to see how that goes. Um, for me, Bengals win a high-scoring game. Yeah, um, it's interesting. From a team perspective and a fan perspective, I think this game's going to be viewed very differently. Like, from a team perspective, as Brian alludes to, both these teams are close to the playoffs. It's nip and tuck. It's going to be a really exciting, exhilarating matchup. Um, both hoping to rely upon their um, their run games. And there's some nice little connections. Um, Nick Bosa and uh, – oh, sorry, Joey Bosa. Uh, no, Nick. Sorry, trying to remember which Bosa brother it is. Nick Bosa – and um, Joe Burrow actually know each other well, good friends from Ohio State days and stuff. So there's uh, I know, a nice little connection there where they're chasing after each other for the whole game or trying to outthink or outfox each other on the field. Um, Bengals are, have been suffering with injuries. Um, there's still a couple of injuries along their O-line, which are going to be day-to-day. Um, uh, and um, sorry, Riley Rife and... Uh, Trey Hopkins, actually, the, the two that may not play, and they've had enough trouble, I would say, in terms of consistent pass protection. So they don't want more inconsistently see along that offensive line. But from a fan's perspective, just bear this in mind. I mean, if you've supported either of these teams for a long time, your mind has to go back to the only two times the Bengals made the Super Bowl. Uh, they were both times against the 49ers, and both times only one score in it. They got their hearts broken. Um, in both situations. I mean, the second one, 
if I remember, was the famous John Candy game where Joe Montana, with the ball, with the requirement to drive 89 yards to win the game, relaxed his team by saying, hey, isn't that John Candy in the stands? And then just promptly Joe called his way to the game-winning drive. Um, so fans will remember it. Is, is a game 30-odd years ago going to have any impact on this game tomorrow? Of course not. But from a fan perspective, it's almost like, are the Bengals cursed against the 49ers? Um, is it never meant to be? Um, I think the 49ers, frankly, they uh, laid a, uh, a complete clip mess recently, of course. But they need it. And they have the talent and they have the capability to win this game. Um, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a really, really good game. But I, I'm going to go with the 49ers. I think they are going to get into the playoffs. And I think they've got enough momentum to get there. Um, which is good for the Broncos when they win. They'll have the same record as the Bengals, guys. So the seventh wild card slot keeps flying around the place. Fair point, yeah. I, I love how we sidetracked in it. Is, is it the T-shirt or, or what is it? Is it the color I, orange? No, no, it's a, it's a, honestly, oh, I, I it's, just, it's great. Happy days, yeah. Happy days. I'm just saying it's a valid point because I think that we've talked about it. The, the battle for those last couple of wild cards, especially in the AFC, is going to be so tight and so tense that all of these games have key impacts upon them. Sorry, Michael. Yeah, Max alluded to Bosa and the, the Borough as well, and we touched on, I touched on it as well. Um, Bosa's 12 sacks this year, 14 hours. No one comes close to him on, you know, you look down after, I think it's four or five. I mean, if he doesn't play, you know, they don't they don't tend to get it together. So he's crucial to that team tomorrow. Is, is Debo playing tomorrow? There was a question in there. I was just no, not likely. No, I think he's gone for a few weeks. Um, the 49ers last week, boys, were... Okay, can I... It's all happening tonight. They were, they were rough, Michael, yeah? <laughs> I was just going to say that, but the 49ers last week... 49ers last week, Jimmy G had 299 yards, two interceptions, sorry, two touchdowns, but two interceptions, and for me, well, clearly it wasn't good enough. They lost the game. They lost the game to, well, which is now four... A four-win football team in Seattle, albeit they were playing like Man United in any cup game. Oh, we got to beat these ones. I don't think they'll get it going tomorrow. Uh, Jimmy G and George Kittle worked very well last week, especially in the third and fourth quarter. But I, th I think the Bengals, the last week, 41-22, getting beat big time. When we all beat them up, will really play into the hands of Cincinnati. They need to win this game to go 8-5 and five and really push some sort of momentum in a division, quite frankly. <laughs> who wants number one pick like the Patriots are number one in the AFC at the minute fair play to them but you know the Bengals like anybody else with the talent they have should be looking at this division and going or sorry this conference and going Jesus boys here we go do you know what I mean like I, I can see the Bengals winning tomorrow and quite frankly I can see the Bengals winning comfortably tomorrow and that means that the Bengals are going to lose comfortably tomorrow I think Joe Burrow will have a day three or four passing touchdowns and Jamar Chase to receiving touchdowns and mark's laughing already but you know they have I'm, laughing, I'm, I'm laughing at you acknowledging your reverse curse capability michael that's that's what i'm laughing and, at. And, and yes and i am sorry for the bengal fans but i look i've been more conservative than richie sunak tonight on this show uh, this, trying this, to get as many puns in tonight as possible this, I, I would put this down argues one of the biggest games of the season for the bengals like you've got the browns playing the ravens one of them is going to lose a game one of them is dropping off if they win this game, they're well within the chance of winning the division. 
Can I just say though, um, lo- losing losing to the 49ers by one score in a Super Bowl, can't relate. Gotta lose by seven, eight, <laughs> nine. Whew. Well, I- I'd like to thank Brian for bringing the dog into my my conversation. I- I'm gonna bark the next time Brian has a point before I make my pick. Woof woof. Okay. We've covered the Browns rally. That would have been great. If we were going into the Browns and there was a dog there, it would have been, it would have been good. What's the dog's name, Brian? Daisy. Daisy. Lovely. Uh, this oh, game... I thought you intentionally done that to say that they were rough last week. I actually thought that was planned, Michael. That was that was, that was was comedy gold there. Brilliant. Comedy gold. Comedy gold. Comedy gold in a minute. The Bills. The hell way up Monday night. Like... I don't want to go into this conversation about the Bills because Mark's going to, oh, we can talk about the Patriots. No, we're not talking about the Patriots because it's the bye week. But uh, Josh Allen on Monday night, albeit the weather was atrocious, you, you have to ask, will this team ever get it over the line? Ge- genuinely, with the talent that they had over the last few years, will they get to the next level? And this is a game column in which they need to show that they can. They really do. To fall to seven and six or to go to eight and five, this is a huge game for the Buffalo Bills against a nine and three Tampa Bay team in Florida. What a game this is tomorrow. Yeah, it's, it's an enormous game. And I think it's going to be really interesting because I would expect very different game plans um, to what we saw last week. The, Bucks, and we talked about it on Monday night's show. I, I said, there is nobody better at sensing blood in the water than Tom Brady and he saw last week just how you know the Falcons you can get at their secondary so he threw and threw and threw um, including a pick six right at the end of the the half but that but that's a Brady just he he is not impacted I think on the anything outside of what he believes and he's going to throw the ball and that's what he continued to to do and then he doesn't let a pick impact on him in any way shape or form it's just oh well that that happened we go again i that will be um different for them because the the bills are much better in the secondary than uh, the the Falcons were, but they have lost Tredavious White, which you know is a huge loss um, because he is such a, a good player. So I do think you will see more of Lenny running the football um, than than you have maybe over the the past couple of weeks because Brady, like Belichick, he wants to to win. And I think the worry uh, for the Bills, I, there is lots to like about the Bills. But the worry I have about them is you can bully the Bills and you cannot bully this Bucks team. And I think that's the, the big difference. So I am interested to see what the Bills try and do um, ag- against this uh, this Bucks team because the Bills don't have much of a running game and they now have to go against a Tampa Bay team that, you know, at times teams have been able to run at them. At other times, um, you know, Vita Vea is just a, a, a one-man wrecking uh, machine even when he loses a tooth. So this, this is going to be fascinating to see how these teams approach it. This is the Bucks' most difficult um, game of their remaining schedule. They are blessed that their their running is is pretty kind to them uh, but brady looks like a, a man who you know is on a a bit of a mission to 
um, try and be kind of first in terms of uh, yards and touchdowns. So I expect him to continue on that. And I think that the Bucks are going to win this and uh, that will um, leave the Bills needing to get a win going to Foxborough. Yeah, I said earlier in the week, I felt this would be a very difficult game for the Bills. That thought this is prime for the Bucks to, to win and essentially wrap up the division in large parts for the Patriots because it's a significant weekend. Patriots aren't playing. Bills go against a very difficult team. Super Bowl champions. I mean, coming off a game on Monday night, I'll be interested to see where we are come toward fourth quarter this game because having played in difficult situation on Monday night weather-wise and then going down and playing in the heat, how, I suppose... What energy levels will there be sapped to come the fourth quarter? You know, significant game. That's a tough game on Monday night. Whoever won that game on Monday night, you know, both defences would have walked away from that game knowing they were in a game. And then they're going to go against a, a very expansive offence. And Gronk, since Gronk's come back, this team is just like, they've been lit up again. It's very similar to what we saw last season. Yeah, I've, I've read reports and we've had conversations. This kind of is a better game for the Bills in many ways because, you know, they're... You know, their strength is that they can go against teams and, you know, blow for blow and they'll score 30 points. But they may do, but I still feel that the Bucks will have enough in the end. So for me, Bucks win a high scoring game. Um, yeah, I mean, like Josh Allen's going to have a lot more fun throwing the ball down in uh, Tampa than he certainly did on Monday night. Um, and Brian, I think you alluded to on the TNF club, actually, uh, you know, the whole pressure of going from a Monday night to a short week game already and the conditions they played in and the cold and the, the energy zapping now right out into the sun um, has big impacts on stamina, on con you know conditioning, uh, obviously, especially late in the game. Um, what worries me if I'm the Bills fan is Dane Jackson filling in for Tredavis White is likely to be seen often. Um, Bills fans obviously hope he steps in front of a ball and gets another pick six this week off Brady, but... Uh, um, it's that he's likely to be targeted, and they are going to be missing Starlo Tolua, who's you know a, a fantastic run stopper. Um, so <laughs> there's potential risks in the secondary. They didn't have a great run defense at times, obviously on Monday Night Football, and now it's got weaker. And they're going up against uh, the Bill, the Bucks, who seem to have activated playoff Lenny a couple of weeks earlier this season um, than ever before. So. The matchup doesn't work in their favor. Of course, they're going against the nemesis that is Tom Brady for them, 32-3 and three record. He's thrown for 70 touchdowns against the Bills. Um, he doesn't mind playing them. The Bucs are 5-0 and at home. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely, when you've got Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Cole Weasley, you've got a dynamic, explosive offense there. You can never, absolutely never write them off. Um, but... The Bucs seem to be getting that consistency back. Gronk, as you, the guy said, had come back in. They'll get Antonio Brown back in another couple of weeks. They seem healthier than they have been in a while. The momentum train keeps building, and I think they're going to add another win tomorrow. Just for the sake of St. Stephen's Day, for Boxing Day, uh, I would love the Bills to win tomorrow <laughs> because the Bills play the Patriots at 6 o'clock on the 26th. I actually don't think that can be flexed into an SNL. It can be flexed to a late spot, but it can't be flexed to a late, late spot, which is a win-win for us. There's some great Christmas games coming up, and we'll preview them in due course. Uh, but the Bills obviously went into the 7-5 and five after losing to the Patriots, so it's all in the Patriots' favour at the minute. But if the Bills were to win this game, 
what a statement after Monday night. Like, genuinely for them. But at the end of the day, they probably won't win this game because they're going up against Tom Brady and he scored four touchdowns last week, albeit an interception. And the... I'm just reading the comment there. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try my best. And all, obviously, lads, when you have Fournette as well, it, it's very, very difficult, especially in Tampa Bay. The reality is Tom Brady can probably throw us to Gronk on... 50 to 60 percent of his drives and he's probably going to be effective the the bucks are going to win this game comfortably for me which means that the bills might win for them but i don't believe in the bills anymore uh at the minute and it, it really pains me to say it i've given them a lot of hope and a lot of thought over the last couple of seasons on on, on this podcast and on, and on the show but i i feel to see how they can get, get over the line if they can't beat the Patriots at home, albeit it was very difficult weather conditions. But if they can't get down, if they can't get down the field when they're at the 20 yard line and score a touchdown, boys, at certain certain points, they, they won't go to Tampa Bay and they won't beat the Bucs on Sunday. Uh, I think Tampa Bay will win this comfortably. And that probably finishes that division for the year, which is by the Bill standards, extremely I take take away the Patriots, that that would be unacceptable and you would have to question sean mcdermott down the stretch if that was to happen uh, no my, genuinely I, if it was me i'd be i'd be livid if i was a bills fan seriously but I, I feel like i want to reminisce on the fact that your love for the bills has died somewhere along the way because ever since we've been doing this show um you know they've been your new second team through through most of this uh generally i will say this i am a little bit surprised I, I don't I don't feel as strongly that the Bucks are going to walk it, but I am surprised we're all unanimous on this one because I think there's definitely an argument for the Bills. So it's just, yeah, yeah. It's almost like the kiss of death, definitely, being made there. Brian, you're on mute. Sorry, that's, I have to do that because Michael's worried about the dog. No, I actually, I'm with Michael on this. I actually agree 100%. I know the Patriots have had a great season. I mean, we touched it on tours tonight. At week five, Mark, I'll tell in cheek, you were suggesting will we win nine games for the bills who a lot of people had potentially put up as a you know let's go to playoffs let's certainly return to the championship game and look who knows it might happen again but you know look the division isn't gone yet but to lose this game realistically it probably is um so for them to be in this situation where they'll be scrapping for a wild card yeah i, I agree with, i agree with michael i think that people people in there will had high expectations it, it's not going to lead anybody getting firing in fact the, the offensive coordinator He's probably going to go on to a head coaching role next year somewhere. Brian Dable, anyway. Brian Brian Dable is definitely got a chance, but sorry, I will say I don't think the division's over because the Patriots have to play the Colts and the Bills in the next two games. They could easily lose both of those, and as I keep coming back to that, Miami loss screws the Patriots up on the tiebreaker. So I wouldn't say it's a done deal in relation to it. I love the other Brian's comment though that he's just made there. Remember who seventy five at this point last season? It's a great point. You know the Super Bowl champions were. They they they. Um, Tian's comment is something interesting yeah. as well, Michael. Go um, on Twitter after the show and type in Sean McDermott. Yeah, but in fairness, the, the, Bills, the Bills fans have to bear in mind as well. Like, they've had a what lot of years where they've, where they've been nowhere. <laughs> Thanks for comment, Tian. Yes, Bills? exactly. But, for, but Brian, for, and, and, as you said, for them to then get over the hump, I'll be with Brady leaving New England, for them then to go down so quickly... Because of the, I mean, the Patriots aren't, they're not 10 and 2. They're no, a game behind but, them, you know, and they beat Michael, them in Monday night. I mean, 
if Bills, I mean, I don't think Bills fans are going to be that short-sighted. What were they doing before Sean McDermott? Nothing. They weren't in the running. They weren't in the playoffs. They weren't developing a decent side on all sides of the ball with depth, with a good defense and a good offense. Like, they can have a bad season every now and then again. And now of course. what we're talking about is this being a bad season for the Bills and they're at seven and five. If you had gone back five years even, four years even, and said to a Bills fans, hey, you can have a bad season, you'll be going seven and five, they would have jumped through a table for you twice over and thought it was their happiest day of their lives. And they probably would either way anyway, jump through the table. Right. That's a... I think this is a strange season as well. That's what we have to remember. This is a season that's been more disrupted by COVID than last year. This is a season where in the off season, the cap got cut and teams had to try to respond accordingly. And this is a, a season where, you know, it we're seeing a, even a greater level of parity than we usually do. We're talking about teams with losing records as we enter week 14 are still in with a shot of the, the playoffs. So it has been a, a very odd year. I think um, making decisions based solely on this year, um, unless you're in the Urban Meyer level of an aptitude um, and just awfulness is is the wrong way to go. I think if you're if you're looking at it, if it's been two three years of this absolutely but one bad year in what's been a really strange year um i i don't know if that's the way but i do think it it does highlight um for the bills the importance of they have so many great um receiving threats but if your line isn't up to it and if your line can be bullied that's that's a problem that the you know that that's the the core that's what you have to set and then you can build from there but in fairness to mcdermott he is the guy who put a plan in place for josh allen went and got him got a guy who could play in the conditions in buffalo and developed him up up to to this point so i i think you've got to to give mcdermott some slack and you see what happens next year uh with the the bills but we're saying we're saying this the bills win tomorrow the bills win in foxborough and all of a sudden you know we're you know everybody's jumping off of tables they're they're the tour they're ranked as a tour worst run get run team in the league and inevitably, if you want to go to Super Bowl, you need to address that. And if there is a situation with the head coach, let's bear in mind GM Brandon Bean, they both came from Carolina. They're both joined at the hip. If one is going, you'd expect the likelihood to both, both be going. I think it's madness that we're talking in, that, in this, in this nah. manner anyway. We, we, we can't be talking like that. I mean, they've only had two bad games this season. The Colts game, they didn't turn up in. And yeah, I mean, like the Jags, anyone losing to the Jags, I mean, that's a bad game. Other than that, they have fought bloody hard. They've won a lot of games. They've been there or thereabouts in any game they've lost. They were there or thereabouts on Monday night. Um, the Patriots just out-executed them at the right points in the game. Something that made me very happy. But still, yeah. I executed them in that particular point. But there's only been two games that they haven't really been there for. So, no. Like, no, team, no, Mark, I'm not going to agree with that. In fairness. Teams are finding ways to deal with Josh Allen. The Steelers dealt with him comfortably in week one. Teams know they've no run game. We deal with him, we're, we're sorted. There's no alternative. So, uh, sorry. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do. I agree that they don't have a run game. They've never. They they haven't had a run game for several years. They didn't have a run game last year. And we said, oh, they've got to fix it. They didn't fix it. Um, 
you know, they I think I alluded to this before. I mean, ever since they ran Marshawn Lynch out of bloody Buffalo, it's yeah. almost like it's been a curse left behind. What was it? Pirates of the Caribbean leaving a Davy Jones curse uh, as he left. I mean, they even brought in the Sean McCoy, of course, and the Sean McCoy was fizzled out terribly um, in respect of it. But no, I they're, they're still a really good side, like a really, really good side. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to have aspirations of going further. Michael, don't lose heart. Don't lose the love affair. Keep the love burning strong. Love lingers on. Love lifts us up where we belong. You know, all you need is love. Just, just keep thinking. It. <laughs> I just love how I said one thing about McDermott, and it's like holy, like oh my god, like it's just turned into a whole discussion. Wait, 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 and Black Monday comes. <laughs> Look, it's just it's disappointing for the Bills. Like I was sitting, not even a Bills fan, watching the game on, on Tuesday morning. Cup of coffee, going. Ah, come on, I got there, but again, it is what it is. Big game on Sunday. Really looking forward to that. Game. I'm presuming that game's on Sky. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, it has, has to be. Has to be on Sky because just you'd like to hope that game's on Sky. Okay. Talking. Anyway. Okay. Oh, uh, talking about big games, we have got the nine and three Green Bay Packers going up against the Chicago Bears. The Bears. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, one field will be there, and that's Lambeau Field, Colin. What are your thoughts on this intriguing Sunday night football matchup where the Packers are hoping to go to 10 and 3 and the Bears are looking to get a win? Well, we went from talking about Brian McDermott and a, a coach who, no matter what happens, shouldn't lose his job to a coach in Matt Nagy who, no matter how it plays out the rest of the season, he has to go. Uh, saw some tweets from Bill uh, Zimmerman over the, the course of the week. Uh, so just to put this in perspective, Matt Nagy's passing offense is averaging 173.8 yards per game. That is 32nd in the NFL. Dead last. By comparison, Sid Luckman from 43 to 47 averaged 189.5 passing yards per game. That's back, that's that's during, like, during the Second World War, lads. That's how far back, right? Uh, so Matt Nagy's offense is literally, literally less efficient than the Bears passing offense in the 1940s. In 2021, where everything favors the QB, everything favors the offense. Matt Nagy has somehow, somehow contrived uh, between Justin Fields and Andy Dalton to put out a passing offense that is worse than the 1940s. And some Bears fans didn't like it last week when I had to go at the O-line, but the reality is it just has not been good enough. Justin Fields is going to come back in tomorrow. How much of tomorrow is he going to spend running for his life? The soon, the, I, I, like we have talked about the shambles that is there in Houston. And in fairness, that's not on Dave Cully, but the the shambles that is um, the utter disaster. The I mean, it's viewable from space how bad Urban Meyer is, and yet Matt Nagy is still a worse head coach. The sooner the Bears can get rid of him, the better for the league, the better for everyone. There are people who, you know, don't even know the NFL exists. There are yet to be discovered tribes who could tell you Matt Nagy is an awful head coach. The sooner he's gone, the better the Packers are winning this. 
When this season's over and the Bears finish with a losing record, it'll be the only year in which Matt Nagy's coached the Bears that he actually finished with a losing record. So um might be slightly bit harsh, bearing in mind they have been to the playoffs. Um if Rogers wins tomorrow, seventy-three yards passing. It there has the Patriots threw three three plays that they threw for two three plays. Ah, yeah, but they on. won, Brian. That's the problem. They actually won. If well, look, and, look, and with look. with with those two completions, they were more than ten percent, more than ten percent of oh, average oh, Matt Nagy oh, game oh, on I, two I, passes they had, they had a in the storm against Buffalo, and more than ten percent. Right, Colin, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. All I would say is, bear in mind when they got him, he was a hot commodity in terms of head coaching opportunities. He come from the Chiefs. Eric Bieniemy has fallen into that situation now. He hasn't got a head coach in order for Chiefs yet probably may do this season but it's like they all come from the Andy Reid you know circle of trust in terms of being the next coach it hasn't materialized for him he doesn't make changes we've joked about during the season unfortunately where we've seen him make very silly decisions during games and Justin Fields is coming in now really as a you know a re-energizing of the situation in terms of the offense because the offense has been quite poor and we saw it last week with Andy Dalton um on the flips on the Packers side if Rogers wins tomorrow he said he breaks. He, he equals a record. Do we know what that record is? He ties Brett Favre for the for twenty three wins against the Chicago Bears. You know he's now getting to that stage. He's won five in a row. They've won 10, 10 games at home in a row. The Packers are winning this Sunday night football. The reason why it wasn't flexed, Michael, is because this is one of the most long standing rivalries in the NFL. If you recall last season, they actually because it was the hundred year, they didn't go to Super Bowl champions. You know the open night they went with the Bears Packers. It's huge for them. NBC will it's, still get it's the a big gift to to a steam franchises. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the Packers are going to win. The Packers are going to roll on. Um, unfortunately for Bears fans, it's a difficult season. It doesn't help with the situation in terms of trying to move on next season because they don't have any number one pick to use. Um, Packers come to me. I'm a bit disgusted. The Bears fans were giving Colum a hard time about criticizing their offensive line. The Bears' offensive line is like a very famous book that was written by Ralph Ellison. And if any of you don't recognize the reference, Ralph Ellison wrote the famous book called The Invisible Man. That's basically what the offensive line has been this year. I mean, that's a direct cause for why their passing offense has been so poor. Um, frankly, bring back Mitch Trubitsky might be a cry you could hear in terms of his offensive output exceeded um, a number of the performances by the Bears this season. For a team that in the offseason we had to be subjected to a complete mantra of they just needed the quarterback, they drafted Justin Fields, this team's going to go places. I mean, we for years, by the way, guys used to give out. I all I used to hear was, "Oh, the Patriots are lucky because they play in the AFC East and they've got three bad teams." Who exactly is good in the NFC North? You've got the Lions, you've got the Bears, and you've got the schizophrenic Vikings. Now I know the Vikings did win on Thursday night. They're unbeaten in the last seven days. The Detroit Lions. To be fair enough. Let's, let's put that out. <laughs> Sorry, six steps. <laughs> The Lions have won a game, that's true. But, um, you know, the schizophrenic Vikings, I mean, like, you know, when Dalvin Cook's running for 200 yards and you've got people saying, like, geez, you'd have to be an idiot to think they would win this game. Um, there's no way in hell they're winning this game. Things like that come out, that you kind of realise the Packers have it made 
in that division in the opposition they have to go up against. I'm not dwelling on it. <laughs> it's 10-3. and three. The Packers are winning. It's that simple. Um, sorry, Michael. Sorry, Michael. One final point. Alan Robinson, um, Callum has been pleading with him to find a new team for the past year. But I'd be interested to see where that leaves him coming into this uh, offseason because he hasn't had a very good season. You know, he hasn't fulfilled on what happened last year. I don't know because he's not getting the, the ball enough or he's been injured. He has been injured quite a lot. So maybe his stock has come down. Certainly, I mean, that might help another team come the offseason because they won't have to give up as much. I'm sure he's a free agent. I know he signed the tender, so he potentially could be a free agent. So if they lose him, again, struggles continue. Sorry, Michael. No, it's fine. Uh, I'm taking the Bears in this game. <laughs> what? what? No way. No, you're not. I'm picking the Bears. The Bears will land at Austin Straubel International Airport in Green Bay. I think they'll be able to do that. I think in terms of will they get to the stadium? I'm not sure. I'm not taking the Bears again. I meant to say I'm taking the Bears. Didn't mean to say the game. It was meant to be a joke. While Mark was talking, they made a list of things that were more likely that the Bears win. Colin winning the Rosa Tralee for Abu Dhabi. Brian getting into the car and driving to Donegal or Mark getting curtains for the back window. Uh, those are three things that are more likely. I think it's, and I, this, this will start a whole discussion point, even though it's the end of the show. I think it's borderline moronic putting Justin Fields in tomorrow. He's clearly not fully fit. I understand I, I understand the situation with Andy Dalton. Uh, I, I think Justin Fields should be given more time to heal up. There's still five more games. Maybe bring him in week, week 16, week 17, maybe week 18 when nobody gives a damn, to be quite frank. Uh, this game for the Bears, Jesus wept, boys. I mean, like, like, come on. Like, they have not got a chance of winning this game. Don't stay up. Record the game. I feel for Bears fans, you will come again. And eventually, maybe by the time I've got three or four wins and stuff. But it's not happening on Sunday Night Football. And uh, I'll be in Chicago next week. So I love the Bears, the Bears organization. Well, no, and I think but, Justin Fields is the next prodigal son. But genuinely, Mike, like, I the the NFL would be better if the Bears were competitive. This is a storied franchise. This yes. is a franchise who've been around for so long. Their fans are long suffering. There there is nobody on this show who has an issue with the Bears. Okay, the issue is with I think the the manner in which the Bears have performed this season. It's been a huge disappointment. Everybody would like to see the Bears do well. I think they are they are deserving of it. I just don't think they are ever going to improve under Matt Nagy's um, leadership. I just all wanted to say as well, pace, and I meant to put it in the sorry, or or free. Oh, a, I, oh, absolutely! Like you know, I mean, I, look, ha Howie is delighted that Ryan Pace exists because it means that people forget that he picked Jalen Rieger ahead of Justin Jefferson. We should at least mention that once a month on the show. I agree so, with what you're saying about the Bears. I personally think a more competitive Bears team is 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 good for the league. The one thing I was actually going to say, and I have it written down here, I meant to say it. Uh, in terms of scores, the, the Ashes isn't back on until 2 a.m. on Wednesday. This game will be a cricket score, so uh, an early cricket score. That was my whole line for this game, but it never happened. Yeah. I believe you can start reaching out to teams from week 16 now to potentially interview, whether it's a head coach or a general manager, to someone in the office that they want them to interview. The Bears would be well, you know, to start making changes now, 
giving them a little bit of a leg up on the other teams because other teams won't make that move as early as others because potentially they could be going for a playoff situation. I put the, the Broncos in that, you know, they're not going to fire a fan job for the end of the season because there's still a lot to play for. The Bears won't. Gives the Bears an opportunity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did not mean to click on that. He has mar- he has marks from being in the back garden without any uh, without any curtains. Put Deco's uh, point back up there. He went very quickly off that one. Oh, he's got a mute. Come on. We're well, I, where I, are we I after? can't put that back. We're after midnight. Surely you can put that on. Okay, here, boys. Boy. The comment was Matt Nagy has someone's nude pics. All right. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter if he has Pace's new picks because Hale and Pace are going very soon. Anyway, the two of them will be gone at the end of the season. Hale and Pace, Jesus Christ. Michael <laughs> <laughs> doesn't even remember that program. What's the, what's the bet this week? Go for it, Brad. The bet this week. If anybody wants to get rich this weekend, they should go elsewhere. But um, I think these teams are all going to win. And it's not going to give you much of a payback. But if you want some safety, go with these Titans, Chargers, Broncos, Packers, Seattle. Titans to beat the Jags, Chargers to beat the Giants, the Broncos to beat the Lions, the Packers to beat the Bears, and the Seahawks to beat the Texans. I think you'll probably get about five to two, give or take. Yes, and we have a separate segment uh, coming out tomorrow with Sully from Matchbook. One thing that I did say to Sully was I fancy Denver minus 10.5 on the line because I think uh, Javante Williams will run hoops through the Detroit Lions. Have we any final words before we get out of here, boys? Uh, very quickly, a couple of weird lines actually in the betting. Um, the Browns, uh, I know they're at home, but they're actually given to, you know, they've got two and a half points, three points in some places. And the 49ers uh, are only getting a point. So, a bit strange there, but hey. I thought the Bengals would be favourites, Mark. What's going on? Nothing from from Mark. Um, While there are, you know, there have been some games that we have, you know, gone, um, you know, kind of across the board. I am really intrigued to to see that Washington uh, Cowboys game, that Bengals 49ers game, and as as well, the Bucks Bills. We may have all gone with the Bucks, but that is uh, one where, you know, Brian rightly pointed out, the Bills have to to get to do something. So um, expect a, a big performance. There, there will be a surprise. There'll be some game that we're talking about on Monday night where we all picked a, a certain team and they haven't done it. Can't wait to see what that is. But uh, yeah, another enjoyable evening. That's yeah. I should yeah, have made the point. I should have made the point. Once I picked the books, I really hope the Bills win. All this talk about the Bucks tonight, as we say in the North, get her Bucks, mm. and that was in relevance to the Tampa Bay. A few Bay bucks, bucks and a few bills, huh? A few bucks and a few bills, and a wee swall in Belfast, boys. Enjoy Week 14, Irish NFL show one. I uh, I feel like that over. gif of Robert Kraft where the lads are talking over his head and he's no idea. It's like that with the betting segment, and it's like that whatever you were just talking about. I'm just looking, going, what is going on? You're down in the, in the PROC, yeah, so. 
I am. And hello, hello to the Irish Titans who apparently saw me earlier on. Um, I did didn't get to say hello. Hopefully, the next time I'm back home. And to the man in Donnacore off license with the Jacksonville Jaguars beanie. The only thing I have to say to you is, well, two things. One, we should have said hello, and secondly, why? On that note, have a nice weekend, folks. Enjoy week fourteen. Salvat. <laughs>